This episode of Russell Update is dedicated to the memory of Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Our thoughts and prayers are with their fans, friends, and families. What's up, people? Welcome to a very special edition of Wrestle Update. I am your host, Dylan Fox, and it is the day that we will talk about the biggest show in pro wrestling history, at least in terms of noted attendance, notarized attendance. We are talking about, of course, AEW's all-in show live from Wembley Stadium at a historic, a historic event throughout the history of wrestling and for us both. First of all, I want to say shout out to everybody who listened to the show a few days ago, very short return to the show here. But the GCW episode was very well received by those. It was a, an experience I never knew, never thought it would happen, but I'm very excited to get back into the world of the more mainstream companies, something I'm more comfortable with, obviously. Uh, our friend Sandre, he was at the show live, and I will try to get him on in a day or two. He had a lot of problems getting home. There was a lot of travel issues. I think you guys know about this already uh, going into the show. And if you're coming out of the show, rather, would be even more right to say. But we will try to do something with him, uh, even if it's just a brief little segment talking about his live experience, how things were like getting on there. Confirm, deny some things. Should be a fun show. That might be a YouTube exclusive. you got to follow that YouTube, Wrestle, Wrestle Update Pod on YouTube. Very good stuff there. But... We are on a big roll right now, and I'm so proud and so happy to be joined by my good friend and the host who was by far the MVP of last week's episode. Hopefully we can recreate it again, maybe even do it a little bit better. Hopefully you guys think so. But as always, I'm joined by Nella de Angelis. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, no, it was um, it was a blast to do GCW. Um they have like so like like we were talking about. They have some really cool um, energy right now with like this GCW versus Freedoms um, feud. So it's kind of like the the perfect time. We have a lot of like Japanese wrestlers over there. It's their big weekend. So yeah, it was a blast. Thanks again for doing it with me. Oh, absolutely. We'll we'll do it again when they do the War Games uh, match Sweet. too. Into it, uh, we'll keep track of something. If something has a high enough profile, we'll probably find some way to make time for it. If it happens in America, pretty much. Like, even a big Ring of Honor show we might do in the future, uh, unless there's, like, five shows going on on the same weekend, like, uh, certain weekends that we, we're going to talk about. Um, but lots of cool stuff going on right now in all of wrestling. I definitely enjoyed that uh, little foray. But then we got to the big, big show. Uh, it happened just a couple of days ago, and... God, so much has come out since then in this two, past two days since we recorded. But we're going to do our best to cover all of it. I, I have some notes and things like that. But first, we have to talk about what's truly important, which is the show itself. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you this, Nello. To considering everything, never mind the show itself, before it even happened, before we watched one second of this stream or the zero hour 
what were your feelings going into this show? What was your hype level? Was this a show you were really excited for, or were you like, man, I I want to to love this, but I just am not feeling it? What what were your feelings going into it? I was pretty excited. It felt like one of those shows where once it starts, like that's when the real excitement comes in. Um, Like with traditional AEW pay-per-views, you know, it's way, for the lack of a better word, meatier. Um, (laughs) And this was definitely a bit of a lighter card in terms of high profile matches and things that people were really wanting. Um, Obviously with it being back to back with all out, it has its own issues, but I was I was really excited. Honestly, I woke up pretty early and cooked breakfast for friends who came over for whatever reason at nine in the morning to watch pro wrestling. So I was incredibly grateful. And uh, yeah, I, I was excited. Um, it was, yeah, <laughs> they came over because you were the draw, I think. Nello. Thank you. More than the wrestling itself. They wanted your cup. What did you make for breakfast? First of all, that's the first thing we need to talk about. What did you eat while you watched the show? Oh, my gosh. So I made like some ridiculous Dutch baby pancakes, which are like those cast iron pancakes you bake. Um, So those I made some eggs, some bacon, like a nice big organic smoothie. I was going to do a full English for everyone, like as a joke. And then I was like, oh, this looks horrible, actually. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, listen, no offense to our listeners in the UK right now, but we will. I have to be on his side on this one as well on the the breakfast ingredients but i think that uh for me uh, this show started i'm a little bit ahead of nello so this is closer to lunchtime for me and i'm not you know i like breakfast food don't get me wrong but in general i will go because my favorite kind of foods are spicy stuff uh like i i want spicy food so uh, i did have uh what did I have uh, there? I think it was I, – I made some – no. What I had was some enchiladas I made myself, homemade there. I just got some chicken, some cheese, the enchilada sauce, put some – you know, it's some good stuff there, some spicy stuff. So I was getting in the mood for this show. I wanted to get into a good place because I – like you said, I knew going into it because I have Sandra when, when I talked to her or we talked to her or whatever – I know he was like hating this show going into it. He was dreading it, even though he he hated it so much that he flew from Norway to <laughs> to see this show and spent lots of money to do it. But he was so pissed that the card wasn't better and that the the build up to it wasn't better. Like you said, more meatier. I think was a great way to describe it actually. Uh, which uh, my enchiladas did have a lot of meat. I'm a meat guy for sure. I I literally have <laughs> hey, I have a plate that I've kept for. 20 years of when Hercules was – the Disney Hercules was in the theater. I have a plate they gave out at McDonald's that says I'm a meat and potatoes guy with Hercules oh. on it. I still have it <laughs> to this day. I will show, I will post that picture in the near future as well. Please. This is like the new motorcycle. Yeah. That's, 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 what, that's what we do on the show, random aspects, because I always say wrestling is a microcosm of life, right? And we have to bring in the microcosms of our life to the show. So hopefully everyone enjoys that when I, I post it. But literally, I have it. I still have it to this day. I will get it out and uh, take that picture. But uh, regardless, I was not uh, – I, I wasn't as down as, as him on it, but I was kind of like you where it's like, okay – Everything hasn't been built up perfectly by any stretch, but when the show happens, 
I mean, this is there's eighty thousand people here. This is going to be insane, an electric feeling, and hopefully we can get something big. And, and there's a lot of talented wrestlers on this show. Uh, although I will say I was completely, completely. I'm not even going to wait for this match to happen because I was so pissed about it when it happened. The way they took Fox out of the coffin match was literally one of the worst things I think that I've seen in AEW. It was so stupid. Like, why would you break this up and take away his big match on top of it? I was, like, shocked when, when I watched it. It's like, okay, if there's some kind of visa issue, whatever. But don't take him out of the group. Like, don't. Yeah. I, I was so irritated because I when we talked about this show, you gave a very passionate and good speech about how much Fox means to the the scene of the U.S. And to take him out was like a slap in the face to his push and everything else. Uh, but that's one of many questionable decisions that were made, and we will get into that. Uh, but first of all, what did you think of the setup itself? The stage, the obviously the, the, the fan amount was staggering, but what did you think about how they utilized it with the production values and things like that? Um, I, once it began, I was very fascinated and kept an eye on that just because it hit me like they've never been able to, you know, this is one of those things where you're doing your first try at this in front of, you know, 80,000 live fans and, you know, tons of other people at home. Um, and I thought they did well, like the setup felt very much like an OG WrestleMania, like the stage wasn't anything too too crazy, yeah. Um, and then like the ring setup, like I, I was just at WrestleMania. God, what was the most recent one? Thirty nine, thirty. Yeah, thirty nine. Yeah. Um, and like that setup was insane. Um, you know, like all of the screens, just like everything. I, I don't know. It, it had a very different feeling to it, but I actually thought I really enjoyed the pyro. Um, I thought they did well in terms of like capturing those exterior stadium shots, um, you know, like the the helicopter shots of the stadium. Um, they had some. Oh, my God, really nice crane shots. But I will say it was a very welcome addition to not have CGI. Uh, what what are they birds shooting out yeah, when Matt yeah. Riddle kicks off his flip flops? Oh yeah, all kinds like, of, we had raccoons the other week. Uh, yeah, deers. Yeah. <laughs> I do not miss those, but overall, yeah, I mean, it felt like a very basic. Like I said, um, you know, they had the the modern flourishes like your digital, you know, LED entrance ramp, but other than that, it felt very much, um, you know, to me like an original WrestleMania type feeling. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, I totally agree with what you said. And to me, one of the best shots, the strength of what you said is totally true. The crane shots like to me, uh, Osprey's entrance where they had the fireworks going off across the whole stadium. It's like this felt WrestleMania level uh, on on there when that happened. The stage itself, if you notice, there's really no ramp to the ring here. It was just like a straight up floor walk uh, pretty much to, to the ring. And I'm not saying positive or negative. Uh, but it, there was no like super like you said the WrestleMania stage this year probably cost like ten million dollars <laughs> of of everything in it and it, it was the the size of a small village they they put together in this ramp at the entrance. This all in show was not nearly as big as that, but like you said they had the LED screen 
as you'd expect uh, on on there, uh, and just a, a normal ramp, tons of fans. But when they got to the sky view uh, and a lot of the special, I like that they did a good job of giving multiple people. Ospreys really stood out to me as being spectacular, but a lot of people got special entrances and stuff like that we'll talk about on the show. <laughs> Some of them were better than others, but still, uh, I like the effort that they were able to put it on there. Uh, put, uh, put that on there. One thing I will criticize, because if we criticize in every match, I'll be complaining about it every match. I don't want to annoy people uh, with that. I thought, and the thing is, it's not like this is a new criticism, but this show especially, JR really drugged the show down on commentary, in my opinion. I thought he was like terrible, especially early on. Um, and it's clear that he hates this show, much like everyone else in this company, apparently, about <laughs> backstage. He just hates this whole company, just commentating it. But I was so impressed with Nigel when he got there. He wasn't around for the Zero Hour we're going to talk about, but when he was on commentary, I thought he did everything he could to make this show great. And I thought he did a fantastic job. And I was very disappointed in the JR because you thought that would have been, this is a WrestleMania-level show. Like, this is your time. Step up. And the other guys were all their usual selves. I would say Taz and Tony and Excalibur. Did you have any thoughts on the commentary? Yeah. Um, same, you know, criticisms of JR. He just. Um, he hates the show. Like, yeah, he never seems like he's having fun. Um, I think it's like my same sort of frustrations with Kevin Kelly, you know, at times yeah. where it's like they really try to. Like sometimes they're able to make their frustrations and like dislikes come through more than actually putting over the matches um, and the stories and the in ring. Um, So it's one of those things where, you know, working in video games, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you're in the middle of a mission and the character, you know, you're collecting like 10 different things and it's way too many fucking things. Right. And the, um, the, Characters like, oh, why do I have to do all this? And it's like, if you're going to tell me <laughs> you don't want to be there, why the fuck should I be here? So that's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever played this, but they came out with a Deadpool game a few years ago and like half of the game. And that's I know that's kind of his gimmick as a character is that he always breaks the fourth wall and it's done to spectacular effect at times and stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of the movies. Don't get me wrong. But in the game, there were parts where he was like, uh, this level design sucks. It's so like you can't do anything with this. Like, why didn't they have better put more time into developing this better? And it's like, that's kind of funny and all. But actually, it's less funny when what you're saying is so true <laughs> that it makes it worse when you're pointing out how bad this game is when you could have just made a better game <laughs> at the end of the day. And with JR, he was harping on stuff at times that there was no reason for him to be as bitter as he was. Like, I remember there was a part in the six man and uh, like juice made a, it was like a, a totally innocuous deal. He just made a pinfall on somebody and JR was like, that's a weak ass cover there. And it's like, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? JR? Uh, and there were other times where he was like, Oh, you know, you could call it DQ in some of these matches ref uh, there. And it's like, yes, we get it. They, <laughs> there's stupid stuff. We don't need you harboring this, you know, belaboring these points over and over again. Uh, so I was very surprised at how just, and like I said, that's probably a common criticism of him. It's something that's been said a million times in his shows. But in this particular show, I would have thought he would have done a lot better to at least be, be happy, like be hyped. This is a big show. Does, every, does anybody in this company know that? That was kind of my initial thought going into the show was like, 
Does anybody in this company know this is an 80,000 person show, the biggest notified attendance of all time in pro wrestling? But nobody seems to know it based on certain actions from certain people that we will talk about. And even before with the stuff with uh, we, when we talked about cash uh, there, it's like, does anybody have any sense of the history you guys are making? Because it doesn't seem like anybody cares. And I was very surprised by that. But um, there's also some trouble especially in the the stadium stampede match some of the camera work was pretty bad uh like they were missing some stuff here and there that they could have done a lot better uh, on i thought even for a chaotic match like that uh, they i thought they struggled at times with the camera work uh some of it was good i think it got but especially by the end they did all right you know for the main event and stuff but i do think there were some production quibbles not necessarily in the set design i thought all that stuff was like well beyond what you would want like very good some of the commentary and the the camera work took me down a little bit on there. I don't know if you felt the same way. But let's get into the show here. Uh, let's start with the Zero Hour. Um, like I said, the, 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 the stadium outset, Wembley just looked awesome. The crowd was rocking all night. All, you know, all five hours or however long the show was, they were into it mm-hmm. until the closing battle of the main event. The crowd was so hyped to be there. It started off with uh, Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole. And uh, to me, this match wasn't even about the match. It was about the result. And they ended up flipping the titles here. Uh, MJF and Cole getting the win here. It was all built around, you know, the kangaroo kick and, and the double clothesline. And I mean, like on cage match, it says it's a six, you know, six minute, 58 second match. So that shows you that this was not about the wrestling but more so the story aspect of it. When we had previewed the show, I, I predicted that Roderick would play a role in this match, but it didn't happen. Uh, they saved all that for the main event, and they just won. What did, what did you think of this here, this title change? This is my least expected outcome was just a clean title change. Um, it you know, it definitely served its purpose as the opener. Um, there's definitely something to be said about the way in which Cole and MJF have gotten over, you know, what's essentially – just the most basic double clothesline and a drop kick, right? And someone had recently posted his other Twitter or, or somewhere, I can't remember, but talking about how the kangaroo kick was created by like Jewish wrestlers in the 40s or something. Like that's where like the, the name itself came from was this Jewish wrestler. So if there is that connection there as well, I mean, it's just like some really nice link to the past that you know mjf is doing um is a match it's pretty throwaway um i hope that cole and mjf actually show up on roh television should they actually hold these belts as opposed to just uh defending them on AEW. uh roh could definitely use the boost and it would be exciting to have them in there i don't know if mjf has ever done roh and cole being like one of their greatest alumni would be it would be exciting um to me, this feels like uh, more than anything, just a smart business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, following the pay-per-views live airing, you obviously still want to sell people on it to purchase afterwards. Um, and this is a match that you can watch on YouTube at any time, you know, in perpetuity pretty much. So to see this and like this sort of electricity in the crowd, this feeling, et cetera, um, this is something just really great to have on like your socials and public channels mm-hmm. to bring in, you know, 
people who perhaps didn't buy it at first glance. Um, so yeah, I thought it served its purpose. Again, this is one of those matches where, like like we both said, it existed for a couple reasons, and I don't have much to say about like yeah. the the afterwards until we sort of see what's happening with uh, with this story. Yeah, and I I totally agree. I will say one thing. To put this on the pre-show, I would have thought that they would have wanted to have a hook for the main event, you know, because this was free for everybody to watch on YouTube, uh, you know, trying to ideally get some last second buys. And instead, it's just like the the easy win here for, for them. I thought that they would have tried to add some kind of drama to the main event, but I guess they didn't really need to overall. Uh, I mean, I don't know how successful it was or, or wasn't. Obviously, Tony Khan knows, but. For like a crowd popping moment, the the crowd went nuts for this. They loved this whole thing, and I'll talk about the storyline at large when we get to the main event. But it played right into it, so I do like that. That the start of the show directly led to the finish, pretty much. It's like an album where the first song like directly correlates to like the the last song or the the CD, uh, pretty much an album back in the old days. Um, like I remember when I bought like the first Boys Like Girls album, the first song was The Great Escape, and the last one was Holiday, and the first one had the, like this the same lyric was in both songs. Uh, the first one was all happy and energetic and positive, but then Holiday was like very mellow and sad. Uh, so it like led directly to what I thought, oh, this is genius! Like that's the same lyric that was in the first song, on uh, mm. uh, there. Uh, so that's kind of how I felt about this. So I did like that. Pretty much. And Boys Like Girls does have a new album coming out, too, which I can't wait to, to see uh, after like 10 years since they made a, a, a CD. But regardless of that, um, it was interesting. They show Sasha Banks, also known as Mercedes Monet, in the crowd. Uh, they showed her at the weirdest times here. You would have thought it would, they would have tried to set something up with the women's match, but they kept cutting to her throughout the show. But especially like she they cut to her. When when they had the acclaimed come out uh, there, that was like her big spot as a fan when they cut to her. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, a lot of reports are that they're already talking. And the fact that they showed her so much on camera makes me think I'd be surprised if she's not in AEW when she's healthy. Let's just put it that way, I, yeah. I would say. Um, other match of the show. <laughs> this leads. This also led right into the show, directly right into the show, considering what happened. Hook versus Jack Perry. Uh, another match that wasn't really about the wrestling at all, uh, pretty much. Uh, everyone's going to know for the glass spot uh, where he tried to uh, – Jack tried to show up CM Punk there saying, it's real glass, cry me a, a river. And uh, everybody was like, oh, no, that's a, a shot because Punk didn't want him to use the real glass. And uh, at the time, it was innocuous. Hook got the win. Taz got a little emotional on commentary. Uh, like we'll get into the the punk stuff very soon, very soon. But just for this match itself, I don't have a lot to say. But I thought it was a nice moment for Hook and Taz did a really shined on commentary, in my opinion here. What do you think? This was one of my favorite matches on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I am a sucker for car based matches. Um, <laughs> That's Shane... what got you was the car. I'm not here. Okay. Yeah, Shane Mercer versus fucking dumbass Schlack from IWA East Coast Masters of Pain, like 2021. 
uh, John Lee Murdoch versus Orin Veidt, ICW Insane 8 2020. Both of our parking lot brawls at AEW. It's just, um, it's like that Choco Pro thing, right? Where, hey, yeah. we're going to utilize windowsills, like uh, turnbuckle ropes. Um, and so when wrestlers are given the task to tell a story on like a structure within a structure that's not a ring and then still utilize it in the same format is always just exciting to me. And I thought they made the most of the car. Um, I don't know. In terms of like a feud blow off, this was, I really like this. Like I would give this a solid 3.5. Yeah. And um, with like the tag match being like a, a two and a half before this but yeah no i was a huge fan of this i thought it had great heat um you know like and to say like when jack perry said this line originally um you know my initial reaction wasn't oh cm punk it it almost felt more i mean obviously now we could point it and link it and all these things but again i think it, it speaks to the ego and narcissism of punk and sort of this poisoned you know, consciousness around it where every single thing is connected to it now. Yeah. Because like there's so many other factors to this, right? Like the sort of blowback that Jack got online in terms of like people trying to think he's taking a vacation, whatever the fuck, who cares? But yeah. this felt way more like one, it's real glass Crimea River, like I'm gonna kill Hook. Um <laughs> which I thought was fun. And then two, it's just like, you know, screw you all. I'm Jack Perry now and I'm gonna do what I want. And, and to me, it was a really great heel showing for Perry. Um, you know, like when he first came out and this immediate switch, it was a little bit awkward, but I think he's done really well coming into the role. Um this I don't know, it felt very much like a classic ECW match at times as well. So I was I was into yeah. it all. I, the only thing I didn't like about it, like I said, never mind punk. I really didn't even care about that when I watched it live. Um, I, what It was good at first. I didn't like it because of what happened later in the show with the stadium stampede match. The finish of that match is built around glass. So are you telling me that that's fake glass and this is real? It's like, whoa, mm. well, why, why did we put that there? Like, you know, overall, like that could have been. It was a stupid idea, <laughs> like in every way. Like, never mind punk. I just I didn't like him saying that. Like, oh, it's not fake glass. We don't do fake stuff here. Like all the other matches, real because I need it to be real <laughs> on there. It's like, oh, you know, you don't need to do that. But I will say, I like the idea of this character that Perry's been doing lately. Like, I think this is a very good. Like, they have the the skeleton of a great heel with him. I think they're missing something. Like I said, I, th- I I said this at the start. I think that they would really benefit and he would really benefit by a lot of bells and whistles kind of placed around him. Like, for example, remember when he first came out, he cut that promo like I'm, bra- I'm banging the hottest girl around or, or whatever he said. Uh, I think why are they not paired together? Like, like he should be on TV making out with her every week pissing off the fans like that's so easy heat and i would put some big guys with him at least one uh like maybe two even just some guys around him to be his bodyguards of sorts that he could be both uh you know the chicken shit heel that he's playing but also have a threat around him and i think that would have made this match really good if you had had a true force that hook could have even like if he had suplexed some big guy again i don't know who this would be exactly um 
maybe like Lance Archer or something like that. Throw him through the, the glass. Is Ward, though, injured? Because part of me is almost like, man, he is doing nothing now. Just put him with Chad Perry. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was thinking, yeah, maybe like a Lance Archer or something. Yeah, Lance Archer, just a big boy. Yeah, exactly. Let's have him suplex him through the glass or something like that to make him – and you know, have Perry every week sick him on people, destroy people. Give him some big heat, uh, you know, some, something like that, I would say. Uh, you know, something easy like that. Uh, but uh, that's my only problem with that. Uh, but still, I like I like the idea of the character, and I think there's more good to be had, you know, like in the future. I wouldn't – uh, obviously, there's a lot that's uh, worth talking about uh, on, on the show, so to speak, that we'll go into. And let's go ahead and get into it. We can't dodge it forever uh, because it was the opening match, C- uh, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. And obviously, it came out later about what had happened right before this with everything. But let's just look at the match as it as it is right now. We'll, we'll get to the CM Punk stuff uh, afterwards. Uh, so with that said, this crowd was 100% on Samoa Joe's <laughs> side <laughs> here. It's like, this was a great reaction for Joe. Uh, like he looked like a superstar. He did a uh, fantastic work here too. And I, I give, we're going to have a lot to say about the chick magnet in a, in a little bit, but I have to give him credit for working this match as the dickhead that he truly is in his heart. And it made Joe look like a great, heroic, badass baby face, which I think this company is really light on. They have good baby faces and like people that the crowd likes, but there's nobody that's like, yeah, like this, like now you've done it. And I thought Joe did a great job of playing that here. Uh, they did st- uh, some tributes to Terry Funk, which I thought was really cool. Again, I want to give him credit for that. Uh, Joe just looked like a beast. He did the when he had Punk tried to do this uh, lame plancha to the outside. Joe did his walk away spot, did the jacking off motion with his hand. Mm-hmm. I thought, yes, like I love this guy. Like this is this is the hero we need. You yep. know? Uh, <laughs> really good. Uh, but in the end, uh, they did lock in. Oh, this is the part where Jr. actually was happy when uh, Punk did the spinning toe hold like Terry Funk did, and Jr. was like, "God bless him. God bless Terry Funk." <laughs> Here, uh, that was good. And in the end, um, they did the heel finish too because if you remember, they were on the top rope and Punk actually had to bite him. <laughs> like he went for the full bite, and then he. Use the Pepsi plunge here to end the match. Obviously a tribute to their old school matches and, and things like that here. I have to say, like I said, I will take my, I will, it will be open season on punk a little, a little bit later, but I like this match. Honestly, I thought it was a good, I think it would have been actually better if it wasn't the opener, if they had actually done like a faster paced match, because this was more like an old school type of match between these two. And I think it would have been better Maybe a little later on the card, but for what they did, I thought this was a really solid match and a good start to the show. What about you? Yeah, this was my this was the first CM Punk match that I've liked since he came back. I thought it was great. Um, I give this one like a three and three quarters. Um, I loved the spot where Joe swung Punk into the announcer's desk and Punk went through it. I can't recall having seen that before um 
like just busting through the fucking thing. <laughs> um, I thought that was just great. It, it gave me that, oh my God, shock factor, like when Omega put Osprey's head through the table at uh, yes. Wrestle Kingdom. Um, just that kind of like structural brutality that you're not expecting to sort of go that far. Uh, this was definitely the Samoa Joe show. Like Joe just at the top of his game. And there was a moment partway through the match where I just kind of got really happy. Like we are so lucky to still have Samoa Joe because there was so much, you know, his WWE run was, you know, really unfortunate in terms of all of the injuries and then just, you know, being relegated to commentary and then that weird NXT role. Um, you know, just a lot of seems like mismanaged booking and push like hard, you know, push pushes met with stops from injuries and numerous other things. So I was just really happy that Joe was able to have this. And yeah, I think you, you hit all the main parts. Um, I liked the finish. I'm happy that he didn't try to go uh, hit him with a GTS after the last one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought this was definitely one of the better matches on the show. And I say that wholeheartedly, even with how much contempt I have for Chipmunk. Uh, CP Monk, the straight edge Chipmunk. That's who we needed on the show, I think. Most. That's what it is. CP Monk, not Chipmunk. OK, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, hey, uh, that's a deep cut right there, too. Uh, we laid on you here. Yeah. Um, I, I still what did you think of? Never mind CP Monk. What about uh, CM Hogan? Here, going for for the Hogan spot. He seems to really love doing lately. He's done that on Collision, too. Uh, what, what is he trying to tell us with this Hogan business? Um, that he is, in real time, letting us down. Uh, <laughs> and I told a friend yesterday, actually, I said, you know what's really been helpful for me i said cm punk has actually been instrumental to my mental health over the last year because a year (laughs) ago i was not in a great place right and cm punk had just ruined pro wrestling with his you know actions following all out a year later i'm in such a better place and cm punk is still a piece of shit so his complete lack of growth has really helped me you know, really uh, focus on how far I've come. So thank you, Phil. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) listen, and now through Russell update, this is like therapy almost now we can, whenever you're feeling down, you have, you have punk doing something that you could talk about here. And I let it all out. Don't hold anything back. The people (laughs) need to know the people need to hear it. And I need, I need to hear it for myself too, but uh, (laughs) I, I will be nice here. Uh, it will be interesting to see the fate of the real world title here after after this match as well, uh, considering what happened. But the cage match users liked it. Uh, they gave it a man. So many votes on this show. But this one had a seven point six nine. Uh, very good rating. Still below a couple other matches, but uh, a high rating on the show. And I, and I thought it was a good start to the show overall. They ended up uh, there was a you know, they talked about the. The Golden Elite versus the Bullet Club Gold feud. I kind of said this on our last show we talked about AEW on. I really hate that they've turned Takeshita into basically a goon for Don Callis. And I think a lot of my issues with not just this match, but the the Osprey match. 
I think Callus is such a like his performances are not bad at all. You know, he was a good talker. I thought when they first started with him to catch it was great. But for the story purposes, you why is he the focus of this feud with Omega at the same time also being the focus of a feud? Uh, with Jericho, and instead you're overshadowing Osprey and Takeshita, two of the highlight performers on uh, this card, I would say. So I was really just not into this feud overall uh, going in there. And uh, But the match itself was good uh, overall. I think a lot of people were disappointed in this because they wanted that singles match with Takeshita and Omega. And ultimately, this match was what it was. It was a build-up to the singles match. Uh, overall, you had... Uh, Hangman and Abushi here. What did you think about Abushi in this match? Because he's gotten a lot of mixed reviews here. What did you think about Abushi's performance in this match? Just just the match itself, I would say. It's for me like so. I saw Abushi live in um, L.A. and his match against Mike Bailey, I thought was phenomenal. His match against Janela was fun. Um, I you know, like I said, I. I think Joey Janela is a great mind. Sometimes I'm not as much into his in-ring work as much. Um, so I don't want to judge that one necessarily. But it's hard in these like six-mans and multi-mans where a lot of the action is more so predicated on being in the right spot at the right time. Um, it's really hard to judge these performances. Like I want to see a real Abushi singles match. Nothing really stuck out. Like, um, you know yeah jumping jumping ahead like this was my least favorite match on the show the least favorite match on the whole show wow on the How about whole that? show um and i think know, this my... match accomplished the least on the show like even though it was the setup i really didn't think Takeshita came across like a big star even even beating omega that's not a good sign when you're ideally getting a pin on one of your top stars I don't think this really made anyone any more excited. If you're excited about it, it's because of the match quality you you expect, and which mm-hmm. we all expect because we know they're awesome, you know, uh, overall. But I don't think this match really was a great shining point for Takeshita or Omega or anybody, really. Like, I don't think anybody really gained a lot from this match. Yeah, debuting Takeshita's new theme at this 80,000-person arena, and it's just like a fucking ball. What is that called? The... <laughs> It's like a Tibetan thing. I can't remember. Yeah, Omnisphere. Totally. Omnisphere, yeah. I think, is what it's called. The Omnisphere. And that has to be the shittiest entrance in pro wrestling right now. It's like shittier than Dexter Loomis's somehow. And his fucking entrance sucks, too. See, now yeah. this is me like. <laughs> um, I think WWE has recently has done an amazing uh, job with rehabilitating Shinsuke Nakamura, showing yeah. that Japanese wrestlers and foreign stars in general can function on their own without mouthpieces. Um, we know Takeshita's an amazing talker. To me, one of the all-time great promos in pro wrestling is the post-match between him and Chris Brooks from a couple years back. Um, like There's so much heart and soul in that, and it feels like they have stripped Takeshita of all charisma, all interesting elements. Um, and like I watched the entire post-show media scrum and Callis says, you know, I'm not in the business of popping people or giving them what they want. When Takeshita comes out, we're, we're about inspiring, you know, fear. And I'm like, there's nothing <laughs> in- intimidating about this. It's fucking annoying. 
and it's boring. And it really, the entire time I was waiting for something to happen in this entrance and then it just ended. And all I could think was, you know, like the Godfather, my God, how they've massacred my boy. Um, 20 minutes. This had the pacing of a collision main event, which is not my favorite. Um, You know, my friends who come over for these shows, none are like wrestling fans in the way we are. Right. Like they watch wrestling with me and that's pretty much it. Um, And it's funny because after the next match, right, the tag match, they were like, God, that one was great. That was probably like, what, 10 minutes. And that one was longer than this six man. This six man felt like a fucking hour. Like, really, I with all of the people involved in this match, I think that's why it's my least favorite. Like, yeah. there could definitely be arguments for the women's match or the trios match, but those at least had uh, consequence, had developments, had moments. This felt like, hey, let's take six incredibly talented, like, you know, people and do absolutely nothing with them. Um and it, it, I don't even think it ever hit a first gear for me. So, yeah, I would give this like a straight up two out of five, two stars. That's yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and I I thought the wrestling was – it's like – it's not like there was bad wrestling or anything like that. But it was just it was really uninteresting. And like you said, the pacing was so slow that – again, I think I would have – I would have changed this card around if I could in hindsight. I would have had Punk and Joe go on later. And maybe make these guys the opener just so they and tell them specifically, hey, we need this to electrify the crowd. You're the opener. Maybe give you maybe they needed that. I have a feeling that a lot of these guys maybe not may not have been that motivated to be in this match, to be honest. Uh, second match on the card. Like you said, this is a TV match. Ultimately, a six man match that nobody will remember in uh, two weeks, you know. And it's a shame because Omega and Paige have meant so much to the company. Takesha has been one of their best overall performers. Juice and Jay have done gotten great reviews on uh, Collision. Mm-hmm. But I just – just something about this didn't work, and I really don't like the storyline at all. I, I want to see them all move on. I agree with you about Takeshita, his quote-unquote fear heel entrance or whatever. It's basically like, hey, you know who's a really great character in wrestling? We want you, Takeshita, we have you as you, but we want you to be like Jack. Because <laughs> he comes out with a leather jacket, the shades. It's like a total, like, goon. He's a goon. Like, he's like there's nothing special. Anybody could be doing what he does. And obviously, they probably won't be as good of a wrestler as he is, but his character is just nothing to me. And I'm very disappointed. Because when they started, when they, you mentioned it, when he was on the mic, they put him on the mic that one week. When Callis talked and then they let Takeshita talk, he got super heat, like cut a great promo. Just weird, weird stuff all around. And I, well, I wasn't feeling this match either. I'd probably go closer to maybe a two and a half, you know, on there. But it wasn't like anything. To be honest, anything below a four might as well be zero. Like when you see these <laughs> names at the end of the day, like let alone a two and a half or two. Um, but thankfully, we had the next match. They again talked about how. Uh, FTR and the Bucks, they've had two matches before, legendary matches, and now they're going to not only go for the titles, but go for the bragging rights of who the the GOAT team is in AEW. And uh, this, like you said, this match was technically longer than the six-man before it, but definitely 
the quality of the match was higher uh, here. Like, I mean, the, the fast paced way that they wrestled was so good. Uh, this was the second highest rated match below the main event, which I will talk about. We will talk about when we get there. But this was a really good match. I have to admit, again, we talked about it with the Wheeler arrests and everything. That was uh, like kind of crazy that this was even happening. Even crazier that they retained the titles. Did actually. you see the um, Fear the Revolver sign? Uh, uh, someone's clever in <laughs> London. Uh, but yeah, that, that was really unexpected. I thought for sure the Bucks were going to win. I think hopefully they know something that nobody knows. There's some evidence that they ha- they're holding on to for court and they're keeping it hush hush. Or maybe Tony Khan just doesn't care. There's <laughs> just like, screw it. We're just going to do what we're going to do. Like nobody died. So we'll just move on. That seems to be his motivation in AEW. If everyone's alive, well, I'm not going to do anything about it <laughs> pretty much. And that's, that's what we saw here. And they got the win again, a shocking upset in my opinion, but still, uh, say what you want about him. The wrestling was really strong here, and I thought this definitely got the crowd back on track here. And uh, they did a, I thought they did a really good job. Uh, it looked like they teased everything they could. And we even saw Cash do the Springboard 450, yep. which was a callback to their original match, which I, you brought up when we previewed it as well. Uh, there, They called back to that. They did a lot of callbacks to their earlier matches, and I thought they did them really well. In the end, though, they went for the Meltzer Driver. Countered that shatter machine, got the win in 21 minutes, 39 seconds. What did you think about this? And along with your wonderful friends that joined you as well. <laughs> yeah, no, this felt like the first match on the show where people really got like up. Um, and I know I, like I will say there was like a little personal frustration for me in seeing Harwood there again. Um, I thought the match was really good like it was well worked um it Harwood. was or oh, sorry wheeler oh fuck dax harwood too i hate yeah, yeah he, he didn't um, even do anything he's just annoying so like you know what i know you got this criminal but fuck harwood <laughs> i'm literally gonna walk into his house during dinner and grab the food off his family's table and walk out so um what, like, if, <laughs> what if he what if he got food you don't like though Will you still take it just to on principle? Yeah, and I'm gonna eat it still, just just uh, out of spite. Like I'm gonna look him in the eyes, like without blinking, and just do like that, like cartoon swallow, where I'm like, I don't like this, but I gotta do it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, like the the final, I would say the third act for this was what it was all about for me. Up until then, like. God, there's okay. Like you were saying with the last match, right? Um, great moves, but without feeling. And it's it's when you watch a movie, right? And they do one of those really beautiful long takes. Um, you know, there's a recent A24 film that just came out called Talk to Me, and it opens up with this super long take. You know, hundreds of people at this house party, and they're going and they're doing all these maneuvers, and it's really flashy. And it's really technically sound. And then all I could ask was, what's the purpose and what are you trying to say with this? And sometimes, you know, flashy and good art without any soul or purpose is almost worse than bad art because at least they tried. Um, 
to to put something in it. And I would say the first and the second act, while it was well wrestled, it was the exact story beats I expected. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, this is what, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to call back this. We're going to do, you know, the, the tag team finishers from the past or whatever. And it's, that's just kind of how FTR matches go now. Um, I thought after the second act, they were kind of finally able to break away from that mold and have their own, you know, cap off to this. Um, I really liked the final stretch. I was really surprised that FTR won. Um, this was the same exact situation that happened with the Usos when Jimmy got his last DUI. <laughs> they won like, anyway. Yeah, they're like, surely he's going to get taken off TV. And then he got the pin. And that was the same thing was Cash got the fucking pin here. And, you know, to me, that is such a statement, whether you're trying to make one or not. And to me, it's just saying this person is not accountable for their actions. Um, I'm not going to, you know, weigh that into the match, but I would give this like a, again, 3.75, like Punk and Joe. Yeah, I um, agree with that. I thought they, I thought that they made their 21 minutes really, really count. They laid it out great, even though the first and second acts didn't necessarily pull me in all the way. Like they hit the beats they had to. And again, if you can do 22 minutes, it's a full ass episode of television, right? That they just yeah. gave you and it, they pulled it off well. Yeah, and you see a lot of the comments on Cage Match. They're saying, yeah, this was great and all, but it wasn't at the heights we expected it or wanted it. And I think that's interesting because I agree with that. I really agree with everything you said there. And I think it's interesting that they, like I said, I mean, listen, having someone with no accountability, accountability in AEW, that's unheard of. I mean, this promotion is known for really keeping things in order, always in check, no drama allowed. At the first sight of it, they will get rid of you. But but somehow Cash has been able to dodge that, and they got the titles again. Like you said, the match wasn't what it was. I just think my main problem with this was, on this particular show, I for actually forgive this of all the matches for not having that great buildup, because it really is like... This is almost like a celebration of one of your your staples of the company's history in the Young Bucks. But my issue with this is, okay, FTR won, really good match, nothing bad to say about the match. I'm not even going to take – I'm not even going to steal food from Dax like, like you want to. <laughs> and, listen, I'm going to go to his house. I'm just going to ask him for some food because he has a lot more money than me. So I'm just going to ask him, please. Like, I'm not like Nello. Give me some food. Like I'm not going to hate on you. Uh, but no, uh, maybe not. He, I mean, he's got a lot, so he probably wouldn't miss it, to be honest, even if he did steal food from him. You know, Pimp C once said he ate so many shrimp, he got iodine poison uh, right now. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think Dax has that as well. I think Dax eats kid cuisine. I don't think he eats shrimp, so. <laughs> kid cuisine? <laughs> hey, we are not going to take shots at the penguin of kid cuisine on this show whatsoever. <laughs> I, compare to Dax. I refuse to allow it. <laughs> But listen, the chicken nuggets and the macaroni, that was a staple of my childhood, my friend. <laughs> when you grow up in Memphis, that's what—that's the kind of dinners you get here. But uh, yeah, a good match, long story short. But what I was going to say is, where does where do they go from here? Like, what interesting paths do they have for the tag titles now? I, I mean, this is the big question. You know, we're recording this, what, two and a half hours before Dynamite? Yeah. Um, 
and obviously, you know, my thought was Punk and MJF for the world title, but I have no idea outside of Omega Takeshita, the announced matches, right? OC yeah. versus Moxley. I have no fucking clue what's going to be on this show. Absolutely none. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do tonight. Um, I have no idea where they go next. Like personally, I think Bullet Club Gold coming back in and getting the and, titles. Yeah, they did win the, but they already did that match not that long ago, which was a great match. I thought the 58 minute match they did on Collision. Yeah. Well, because right now they're one in one, right? Technically, okay. um, because Bullet Club Gold pinned FTR the week before. FTR won the two out of three falls. And then, so two out of three falls, depending on how you want to count your math, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're either one and one or two and two, but either way, they're yeah. both not. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that's a great point. Um, so I would love to see them run it back just because, honestly, yeah. I thought that Jay White, when he's matched up with the right wrestlers, like he is very much a Timothy Thatcher type. Where, like, when you get him in the ring with someone he can work with, like, goddamn, it's a beautiful beautiful thing because he can cook um and it's so weird because i'm like man jay white's so slow but i love 50 minute jay white matches um but yeah that's like looking ahead i'm trying to think you know house of black has lost the trios titles i would love to finally get a main event malachi um you can have brody and buddy um i don't know best friends would be fucking awesome with them winning the stadium that would be perfect yeah, that would, that be, would be, yeah. You know, I love Trent and Chuck. Like, so many people this past week had given Chuck Taylor his flowers, which I really love. Um, like, he was definitely one of my favorite wrestlers on the indies back in, like, 2013. Yeah, um, me too. The, what was it? Popping Dogs and Talking Hogs, the best friend shoots on high spots. Like, those are some of my favorite things. Like, because they would just get hammered, and Roderick Strong's, like, yeah, I used to pick my nose till it bled everywhere when I was in third grade when I wanted to go home from school. <laughs> they're like, what? Or, you know, they're telling stories about how Jay Briscoe, when he goes to the restroom, he has to take off literally every single piece of clothing and he hangs it over the stall. And I'm like, this is the shit that I come to wrestling for, man. <laughs> this um, is my wrestling. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so I would I would love, you know, for the best friends to finally get that title win because when I look at like your OG tag teams in AEW, at this point, like you know, you've had Lucha Bros, you've had Young Bucks. Um, I feel like it's best friends and you know Santana and Ortiz should they team together going forward. But those yeah. feel like your two like OG teams to me at this point that really haven't got hit that ceiling. So or or it could have been Swerve and Fox if they didn't stupidly break them up. <laughs> yeah, last week. I, yeah, like you were saying, and well, I'll talk about it more in the coffin match. But it just you could have done that a hundred other ways. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely on, on that for sure. But uh, long story short, we like the match, uh, regardless of whatever you want to say about that. And let's get into the same stampede now, since we talked about the best friend so much. Uh, totally with you about Chucky e. T. I'll go back even further than that. I remember when he he put the video up of his training video where he he woke up at like 3.30 p.m. to watch Boy Meets World and then rolled around in a wheelchair in his house because he didn't want – just because he was too lazy to walk. And he was like, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 3. I was like, this is uh, – I, I don't have a wheelchair. But besides that, this is my life pretty much at the, at the time of 2008 or 2009. <laughs> 
I was doing those same things he was doing, eating, eating Cinnamon Trost Crunch, watching Boy Meets World, and playing Metal Gear Solid. That was my life, and wrestling as well at that time as well. So we were really kindred spirits from the start. He went on to have a a long career as a more comedic character. I always thought that he's kind of an interesting guy because in AEW, he doesn't really get a lot of mic time or anything like that. His personality from the indies is a lot different than we Mm. see here on TV, not necessarily him online or in real life or anything, but they did this whole storyline. I also think this match build up kind of sucked to be honest. Like no, nothing against the match at all, but just you did this whole angle with a six on six and there was whatever happened with Phoenix, he couldn't come, so they had the visa switch. And instead of having somebody else, this is another problem I have with this show. This is a big issue, actually. And I'll talk about it now. How hard would it have been for them to not just do a battle royal? To get people wrestling in Wembley. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be your big stars. I mean, we'll talk about in the women's match. A lot was made of Emi Sakura not being on the show. Why not do a women's battle royal? Get 15, 20 people in there. Do a men's one. Put Kip Sabian in front of his hometown crowd or whatever. You know, there's the locker room. Clearly, there's morale issues like that's clear coming out of this show. Even after this, why not do something? Give people a memorable moment. They'll never forget. Just let them walk out, have their entrance. Why didn't they do that? And in this match specifically, why not just throw somebody else in here that you could have had a six-on-six six match? What would it have hurt to just not do that? So I was very just shaking my head at this when you've already announced this. This, do- this doesn't make any sense. Or you could have done something where Phoenix get- got taken out with the crowbar, and then it was a six-on-five match. It would have totally worked for the storyline. It's like, hey, you said six versus six. It was your idea, Kingston. Uh, like now we have another guy and like there's so much they could have done here to add those extra guys and they just avoided it. Uh, so I didn't like that at all. I thought it was really shaky, although I'm very happy to see uh, proud and powerful back, uh, obviously. But uh, the match itself. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, what did you think of this? No, I, I want to throw it to you first here. This had an 8.02 rating on cage. Match, so a lot of people liked it. Um, so I missed like the first couple minutes. So I missed Penta getting taken out. So I came back in. I was like, where's Pentagon? And everyone's like, oh, is he in the mask? Like, yeah, like, oh, he got taken out. So when Pento Oscuro ran back out, I was dying, dude. I was like, oh, my God. And he came back just to do the spot through the table. Um, yeah, so I thought that was super funny. The ladder on top yeah. of it. Dude, yeah. And then again, that was like Ricochet and Logan. We're like, yo, we're going through this yeah. fucking table. Um, <laughs> I This was my favorite match on the show. Like, I am the – or I am a huge, huge Blackpool Combat Club fan. Like, oh, yeah. my old dog was named Moxley. Um, I really like the story with OC pinning Claudio. And then the post-show media scrum, you know, him being like, I've pinned Yuta. I've pinned Claudio. There's one more person that I really want and need to get the pin on. Um, so I like that setup through this match. Um, it, I was really interested to see how they were going to do it. Um, and cause I, you know, with the stadium stampedes thus far, it, it was pretty much like an anarchy in the arena. Yeah. I can't, I cannot tell you what the difference between those two matches is at all. Other than anarchy in the arena had a very questionable musical performance. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So fucking weird. Um, I loved the whole final stretch of this. Like, 
um, Orange Cassidy breaking the glass and then wrapping his hand like that whole set piece I just thought was badass. Like if you're going to slow down a match to kind of do some acting stuff like that's what I liked there. Um, you know, it made me think of God, what was it? Alex Cologne versus uh shit someone maybe mance it like tournament of survival 2020 and it's in the middle of this deathmatch tournament and they cut in between matches to backstage and you see these two guys who have already wrestled a deathmatch and they're just bleeding and cut up and fucking shaking and they're getting glass taped to their hands for a taipei deathmatch and i was like man this is cool and so to feel like that's like the the sort of um desperation and like brutality where i'm like yes that's what i want in a blackpool combat club match that's what i expect in a match like this you know kingston repeating his spot where he's just walking down the ramp with the weapon um that was cool trent taking every ungodly terrible bump like (laughs) like everyone got a fight outside the ring and then for whatever reason trent just took like the shittiest neck and back bumps in the ring for the entire match pretty much um yeah the awful waffle in front of eighty thousand people that was awesome so sick like yeah you know so much happened in this match that it's hard for me to really talk about it yeah um (laughs) santina and ortiz felt like complete afterthoughts like I really can't tell you anything they did. And I think that's a symptom in these Blackpool matches is Pack and Takeshita definitely felt like afterthoughts in Blood and Guts as well to where, you know, they're just hired guns for this. And going back to the six man, Ortiz was doing the fork spots for a bit. And he looked at the camera and he's like, this one's for you, D, miss you or some shit like that. You know, which really, really makes me think that Homicide was the six man in this. Um, especially with the fork, like the yeah. f- whole fork and, stretch and, and as why, well. Why couldn't we have had Homicide in this match? That, 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 that would have made perfect sense with the story. You could have given him a great moment, somebody getting his flowers, much like Chucky e. T. Yep. And again, it's you could have even just had Jamie Hayter come out and say hello. Like, fuck, yeah, man. perfect. Like, like, why why didn't that happen? Like, that that's no. something that should be asking. Like, why not? It's so easy to just have I, her come out and say, hey, you know, even you give her like a one minute promo, like that's all you need. It's I mean, it's just like WrestleMania, right? How you bring yeah. out the old legends. You bring out rock for a five minute segment. You have Eric Rowan come in the ring and he hits him with the rock bottom. Right. Jamie yeah. haters in the ring. Uh, Ruby Soho comes out and talks shit to her. And Perfect. Jamie hits her yeah. with one move if she's able to. And if not, uh, have just Britain blast her in the head with a crutch or something like that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Boom. And um, that's all you really need. Like, and it's just a like the whole, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but going back to what you were saying again about just yeah. getting people on the show, um, this show did not feel considerate of the roster. Yeah. It I felt agree. like, and again, a lot of these matches, I just... I don't know why you had to have Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. And we'll talk about it later. But, like, yeah. there's just a lot of stuff where, you know, obviously you want to court Will Ospreay and try to get him. But, like, this guy's not even signing the fucking company. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's in and he's in the second biggest singles feud on the show. Um, and to me, that's incredibly symptomatic of WWE and WrestleMania and the same complaints that they get of, like, why are these part-timers and other people getting these massive slots 
when you know the people who are busting their asses every week are left off the show. Um, I'm not a Sammy Guevara fan, but when I saw him come out with Jericho or whatever or help him, I was just like, damn, like even one of their pillars isn't even on this show, right? Um yeah. and it's it's that it's the lack of AEW identity. And this goes back to a lot of big shows for a lot of companies, right? Like um, GCW Hammerstein, how all of their top stars lost in matches to, you know, people that didn't even wrestle for the company. And it's still just like, I, I don't understand if it's an insecurity or, or what it is. But like you got here because of the people that you've used and, you know, you're going to succeed because of using the people that have helped you get there right um but i don't even remember what we were talking about but yeah, yeah stadium, stadium, stampede. stadium stampede was my favorite match of the show 4.25 stars um <laughs> yeah i thought the there's a lot of this i actually didn't like that much actually but by the end of it i did like it i think if the finish had been different than what it was i would have downgraded this match because i thought the finish was so great uh with orange getting the pin because he really has been your MVP this year of your weekly shows, your week to week stuff. The stuff with the glass, I mentioned it earlier. I think it would have been, you know, I, I remembered that about the Jack Perry thing with the fake glass or whatever. And by this point, it had already come out about him and Punk. And a lot of people were talking about that. But I still loved it. I still love the finish. Uh, the stuff with, like you said, the awful waffle was great. Uh, the giant swing was, was great, too. A great moment. When Sue came in, <laughs> that was a, a lot of fun. I didn't like uh, Moxley kissing her like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I hate that spot. I do not know why it's even thought of. <laughs> it would have been one thing, but for him specifically, whose wife is in this story, like a major part of the storyline, uh, Dynamite Kingston blasted Renee backstage mm-hmm. and said, wait. Uh, like, uh, you know, don't interview me. Look what your husband did. Uh, and I mean, he did it great. He performed it great. But for Moxley to do that made no sense. Uh, obviously, it's icky to, th- to think about, obviously. But just even as I, I can forgive a lot. If it's a logical heel dick spot, you know, like, you know, like an asshole doing this uh, pretty much in uh, for him to do it, it just makes no sense for his character at all. Somebody who's all about violence and, and all of this stuff. I just thought it was like such a nonsensical and cheap spot. But um, once they got in, like you said, the Penta stuff I thought really didn't work, in my opinion. I mean, it was kind of cool to come in as a Penta Obscuro, uh, but <laughs> then things, things didn't work uh, going in there. We saw the spot, too, where we talked about it on the GCW show where the screwdriver got stabbed into the turnbuckle Yeah, uh, there. So I was thinking, you know, like I, I was thinking about that. We were talking about that uh, the, the other day uh, was about that. So uh, a lot of good stuff here. But at the end, though, I thought it all came together like it, it was better than the sum of its parts would be how I describe this match. But I would give it a wreck as well. Uh, I don't know if it was my favorite match of the night, but I thought it was like very effective and I was very happy by the end of it. And I, I love the finish. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it's like sensory hardcore wrestling overload is towards the end. There's one spot that sticks out to me and it was like the cameras sporadically cutting. I think, you know, Moxley and Kingston go through the barbed wire. OC hits 
Claudio with glass. Someone gets suplexed on the outside of the ring into Legos, which you never even yeah. saw get poured out. And I was yeah, like, yeah, that's what that's, what, that's the, 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 the yep. camera work. I thought this match was where it was flawed. Yep. I don't even think we saw where they got busted open or Kingston, at least. Uh, he just walked into the shot bloody at some point. You know, it's it's like you're missing these key moments. And like so, and some of them that are awesome, like the Legos, like you mentioned, I wish that they would have been able to capture all of this. I know it's part of the it's like it's destined to be that way, though, in this match. Right. The anarchy in the arena stuff's going on. They're fighting all over the place. It's really hard to capture everything. But I thought you knew this what this match was going to be. Like you, you should have been planning for this uh, overall. Um, I thought the one from Double or Nothing, besides the horrible band that played, uh, that that had more of like a gritty feel to it, like a realistic fight feel. And like you said, this was like a hardcore spectacle match. Uh, so they no, both. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I've been playing Stadium Stampede mode and fight forever. How is that? How 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 is that looking? It is so shitty. Uh, but oh, no. like it is it is one of the worst feeling combat like mechanics. They honestly, it's one of those things where I would be like, damn, I would not put this out in a game. But I've been playing it here and there. It's like it's uh, to me, it's pretty indefensible. But this match felt very structured in the sense of promoting it. Because they, I'm pretty sure, like, other, like, not, like, people started in different parts of the arena, right? Like, some people were in, like, the skybox. Some people were in, like, the food vendor area or whatever. And that's pretty much how Stampede, the mode, starts. Is you literally pick, like, your landing zone, like a Call of Duty. And it's in the middle of the ring or field, um, in your food vendor area, in the skybox. um, Stuff like that, pretty much. So, it felt very... Like, again, like a live action adaptation of their specific game mode and their approach to said game mode. Um, But, yeah, like in terms of the camera cutting, I can definitely see how it would be flawed. For me, I enjoyed it a little bit because or like uh, the reason I guess I enjoyed it or didn't take as much issue with it would be um, there's some sort of sick thrill for me to just like seeing the camera cut and I'm like, when the fuck did Ortiz get Legos? Or like, yeah. <laughs> when did start bleeding? This is insane. Like I'm trying to keep, keep up with the violence and the yeah. violence keeps coming. Um, but yeah, like again, if Moxley beats OC, this is definitely like the biggest, you know, challenge as far. Yeah. Claudio and Yuta are also people I would love to see go after the tag titles, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and I think you could even do Sting and Darby. Like, uh, give Sting one big run. I don't that's know. There's my, a lot of stuff, but. That's my dream. Yeah. Like, for Sting to get, get a title match. I love Sting and Darby and all of Sting's matches that he he's had at AEW. But we will talk about that. Uh, a little bit later. Uh, they go into the women's match here. Again, a little brief. None of these, like there was no WrestleMania-level hype videos on this show or, or anything like that. Uh, I think that's one thing they could have learned from or taken from a little bit and, and to improve upon for next year and stuff like that. Uh, but basically, the long story of it is they talked, they totally lied on TV and said they had these legendary four-way matches, and that's why they're doing it. But in reality, they just needed a match to get Britt on the card here. Uh, so they made it a four-way match. People had to win matches to get in there, except for Tony. Uh, Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Soraya, and Hikaru Shida, the champion. I noted here, I thought Shida, like the way she carried herself 
despite what was going to happen. I thought she was like phenomenal as a champion. The way she looked, um, you know, like she just looked amazing. I uh, like it there. I thought her look was like among the best on the show. And the big entrance here, I, we forgot to mention earlier, the Young Bucks had the Freddie Mercury type of deal too in their entrance. Uh, so this is really turning into a Freddie Mercury tribute show <laughs> as Soraya comes out with two We Will Rock You here. <laughs> uh, the, the, you know, a famous Queen song, obviously. And her whole family is there. Uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and, and all the rest, uh, Soraya, the original Soraya, I, I guess, uh, are in here. It's like you have the whole family they're playing this Queen music. Everybody was pissed online because <laughs> everyone knew that Emi Sakura is such a huge Queen fan, and yeah. she wasn't on here. Um, and this match, the action in it, it's not like this was like great wrestling top to bottom, but by the end, Despite the fact that she sucks so much, in my, in my opinion, but despite the fact that maybe this isn't my vision for this division, look at that rhyme I just laid out there, vision for the division. Uh, but despite that, the crowd, this worked. Like it, 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 it ended up for this one night. It worked for the crowd, Soraya getting the title. Uh, the fans got behind her, and it worked. So I'm not going to be too critical and – the other three I thought were awesome in the match, like great hard hitting wrestling uh, between them. Sheeta, obviously great. Um, Britt, I thought, had a renewed intensity that she doesn't have. I mean, she's really struggled the last month or two uh, in the ring. I thought she looked a lot better than usual here. And Tony is becoming like my favorite person in this company, I think, with, with this <laughs> character. Uh, I think she's doing a phenomenal job. And in the end, uh uh, Soraya's family interfered at different points too, but in the end, she ended up hitting the. Uh, she grabbed the Outcast spray paint, sprayed Storm with it, hit the nightcap for the win. It was like a nine-minute match, so not a lot of time. But then, like you said earlier, this match, unlike the six-man match, this accomplished something and gave us somewhere to go going forward. What do you think? Yeah, um, I would. I would give this probably like a quarter more than the six man we were talking about before um same notes like you know Sheeta looked fantastic i really thought she was gonna pull it away yeah um like my biggest complaint with the match is probably the finish i i the whole finish of like i have someone locked in a submission and then someone hits their finisher next to me but yeah. i'm just gonna stay here is like so Dumb. Yeah, Britt looks like an idiot. With the, to me, with this, Britt yeah. has to have the the least ring awareness out of any wrestler. Now, um, was this Tony's first time using this new entrance? I think so. I don't think she's I wrestled on. It. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Like great yeah. entrance. Yeah. Love the music. Love, love the Titan Tron. All that, dude. This whole Knight family thing. This was like. <laughs> okay, this is like gonna be fucking a, a leap and a half. <laughs> but it's like it's like if Triple H walked out on the stage at like Crown Jewel with like this like the Crown Prince or whatever <laughs> with like Mohammed bin Salman. I'm just like, oh, thank God the fucking Knight family finally gets their moment in the sun. Like the amount of felonies and awful shit perpetrated <laughs> on a single stage by these people. And when I heard We Will Rock You, I was in the other room when this started, and I was like, God damn it, that's Soraya, isn't it? And I walked out, and it was genuinely disgusting to me like i won't beat around the bush on this the knight family is very well known for being a very 
not good group of people. Like her mom has abuse allegations, her father, her brothers. Like it's it's something where like the the well is so poisoned. And I'm not going to, you know, lump in Soraya with them necessarily. Like I think her story has been very different. Um in ter- like, you know, I won't bring it Ronnie Radke, whatever. The yeah, sorry, but that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Would you have rather this or him <laughs> playing her out? Dude, didn't he play it? Didn't her, his music play at the end anyway or something? I don't yeah, know. I think, but, I, think, yeah, I think they played it. Well, that's a normal theme is his song uh, there. Yeah. What if he had came out? That's That was my dream for the show. I really wanted him to come out because I knew that the crowd would hate him and boo him. And I think he's crazy enough. That he he would turn it into a shoot on the on the fans and just cut an insane promo and Soraya's like no please like don't do it here I thought it would be so funny if that happened but instead we got this with more criminals that you could have besides just him um yeah we should get like Soraya and Ronnie Radke let's bring in Carmella and James Ellsworth into AEW and just fucking ruin it all um God yeah like this whole thing. You know, we have Tony and Soraya coming out of this. Cool. Um, Britt just feels like not a star to me anymore. And it feels like they're really pushing her and trying to keep her one. But I think that Jamie really passed her or surpassed her, you know, when she was champion. And totally agree. Just looking at this lineage, like, you know, whatever happens with Soraya, I just hope the title is sort of, you know, writes its course much like the tnt and stuff like that yeah you know aw they get into these and i would say this is symptomatic of a lot of wrestling companies you know it's like you look at the first five reigns it's riho nyla sheeta Britt baker thunder rosa the shortest reign out of all those is 100 days and after that it's 130 um once you go after that right tony wins the title then jamie wins it jamie's champion for 190 days and has the same number of defenses as Tony does in her next ring yeah. over two months. And it's just like, fuck, man. Like, there needs to be some sort of stability or consistency to the division. Um, and I do not think Soraya is the person that can bring it. No, um, no, not at all. And the post-show media scrum, she did talk about how she's at 100% now, um, that she feels fully capable. So this is definitely a sink or swim moment. And, you know... AEW is very much the place where more than WWE, it's sink or swim. Yeah. Like, because you have people on this show who can work their asses off so much and aren't necessarily limited by the content nor the writers like they are in WWE or handcuffed yeah. by it. Um, to where if Soraya just doesn't perform, like, because even, you know, say what you will about Brit, but Brit can have great matches at times. Like, her and Thunder was great, you know. All of the women's champions thus far have been great in-ring workers. And I think this is the first time we're looking at, you know, a very high-profile champion in AEW outside of Jade Cargill, who doesn't necessarily match this in-ring quality. But Soraya has none of the superstar power, nor the allure, nor the character, nor the personality that Jade Cargill was at least able to carry her um title win reign with and even then it's like fuck where was jade cargill on this where was chris statlander athena willow so many other deserving yeah. people and this was the worst outcome so yeah i, I, I why, why couldn't they have just done a battle royal for the women like get good publicity have everybody go on there you know you give everybody your entrance 
and it makes them feel like on par with the men. Uh, pretty, pretty. Two hour pre-show. Yeah, like, with two matches, <laughs> with like fifteen minute total wrestling time. Yeah, yeah. And you could have uh, easily have done both of the battle royals. Like they don't have to be super long. Just say, hey, the winner will get a number one contendership for Statlander or, or whatever. Uh, you, you could say on there, you know, just do anything. <laughs> just, put, just put them on there. Let them have their moment. Like you said, I would have loved to have seen Hater get a surprise. Like she would have gotten a huge pop yep. if she had come out after this or before it. Like maybe she could have, you know, done something to help Brit somehow. Uh, or like I said, just walk her out. Just have her come there and say, hey. She never lost the title. She is a champion even without a belt. Uh, like that would have been so easy to do for like you only need a minute or two. And that's one of the things I was very disappointed by on the show. And again, there's it's no secret morale is low right now in the locker room. And they're not going to get another chance like this to to get this morale up like this, to have people live their dreams like this. Maybe next year, but I don't think that they're going to be able to do 80,000 next year when they come back based on the buildup and the hype for it. I think they're uh, going to have to really make it an actual fucking show next time. Not yeah, just, exactly. hey, we're, we're in the UK. And that's the thing. Like the That's a good point, Dad. We'll talk about it in the end. I'm gutted that Sheeta lost the title so fast. What was even the yep. point of her winning the title? Like if this, if this is what was going to be the end result of it. The, the end result of this was... Soraya gets her one place in the world that she will get a big pop on and <laughs> to set up Mercedes. I think that that is probably where they will that will this that's the end game of this title reign I think uh, is to bring in Mercedes and face her with the history uh, that they have, the story with the neck that she was a part of. And once Mercedes gets healthy, I think that that's going to be a collision course for these two. And I'm sure everyone's going to hope that that leads to new things, but to me, the thing with the women is, you know, he doesn't care about them. You know, no. like you could do a lot of great things. Like you said, you named a lot of really great talents uh, that in the women's division. It's not them that's the issue. It's the people booking this, you know, 843. Like this was the shortest match on the show by far. Yeah, I looked at my friends right before it started. I said, 50 bucks says they don't even get 10 minutes. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Every other person got at least over 10 minutes, and it's that glaring shit, right? Yeah. And like, this may be a hot take, but AEW has, like, I think a ridiculously higher amount of in ring talent for their women than WWE does. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, they're booked way differently, um, which isn't to say they don't have their issues. But, yeah, like, you know, I am happy Sheeta did get her title win in front of people at 200. Yeah. Um, I'm happy she got a walk in as champion in front of 80,000 people. But I still completely agree that it's just one of those slaps in the face. And I guess like the only other thing I really have to say about the match is this did have one of the best spots of the night with the um, curb stomp. On Tony while she was in Brits or uh, Soraya's submission. Yeah, the Scorpion thought, crosslock. Yeah, I thought that was super fucking cool. That um, but yeah, the match was. I thought the match was fine. Uh, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I gave this three stars. Uh, Dude, up. okay. When uh, when Tony put or handed the Soraya's mom, Britt Baker, and yeah. like it's one of those spots you know where the person's supposed to pretend to hold them, and her mom locked in a 
full fucking tight as hell. She's like, I've been waiting for this. You <laughs> literally put her in a real ass submission, dude. I was cracking up. I was like, oh my god, of course. Uh, but yeah, I digress. Awesome. But yeah, like I said, you got the pop, you got the setup for the match. Hated for Sheeta. That's something we might look at in a future episode, uh, like WWE versus AEW, because uh, I think that's an interesting debate. But I definitely don't think it's any debate. Like, they did more for Rhea and Raquel like on this new weekend show than they did for this match <laughs> before people, yep. had, like, by far. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it's the principle of it that I don't like, is that now Soraya's champion. Sheeta got this crappy title reign. She's probably going to go to the bench again. Um, and I actually think it would have made more sense, actually. Like you said, I'm happy that she got the title in front of the people. And, that, and hey, her win, she got a huge pop uh, for when she beat Tony. That was a great finish. But I actually think for this story that they told with Soraya screwing Tony at the end, it would have yeah. been better if Tony was the champion. And she told the, she stole the belt from her uh, on there. But I love Tony. I hope that she becomes the champion uh, right now soon because I just think her character work is awesome. And Sheeta did a lot of great work. We have to praise her. She was all over the interview scene. Like, you know, she did like two or three yeah. English interviews leading into the show. And that's what you should do. That's what everybody on this show, Kenny Omega, should have been all over the scene. Like one of your top stars in your history. This show should have been a celebration of your history of the company. Adam Cole, where were these interviews that were all over the place plugging this? Is Sheeta was like one of the top people overall. <laughs> but um, anyway, now we go to the part that I – both loved and hated the most on the show because we recapped the the turn uh, on AR Fox with Swerve and making it a Christian and Swerve team. I just I hated this so much. Like I I can't get over how much I hated how stupid it made the babyfaces look on top of it. First of all, it was crazy to have him kick him out of the group so fast. Secondly, this man came out with I. I fantastic angle they did at Nick Wayne's house, uh, which I thought was like one of the best angles they've done in forever. They looked menacing. They were awesome. It was great. He comes out with your blood, a bloody wife beater that he has on uh, with Nick Wayne's blood on it, throws it at his mom's face. And then five minutes later, <laughs> we're friends again. It's what? so funny. Cause like Darby's just, I forgive you. AR Fox. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What? what? Why are you going to forgive him? But it's, yeah, this was the, it's one of those things again, where it's like an audible. All you had to do was have Darby and Sting take out Fox. Yeah. And then force Swerve to come up with a new partner. That's that, that, all, or, all you had to do. Or even know. have even have Nick hit him with a glass, because that's how the scene ended. Smash something glass over his head and take his ass out. As revenge for what they did to him. And like you said, that would have been so easy. Fox is out of the match. We're scrambling. which We need to find somebody else. Uh, and Christian has logical motivation uh, to try to, to hurt Darby because he's going to face Luchasaurus. They already set that up for All Out. So they could have gotten to this so much better and set up a great storyline in the future. Like there was so much juice left with Fox and Swerve as a team. I can't believe they did it and like made your baby faces look terrible made Fox look like a goof swerve look stupid. It's like, there was no positives to, to that whole segment. I hated it so much, but I will say this. 
despite all of my negative feelings on here, and the fact that Sting came out to Metallica, <laughs> here uh, he came out to his old WCW theme, uh, Seek and Destroy. I mean, there was – I loved this match. I thought it was the best match on the show for, for me personally. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I thought this was – this was so fun – and with less people, it was like there were less of the issues I had with the Stampede match was in this match. And all of the good stuff was also in this match. We had we had Sting with a cricket bat in this match. <laughs> How can I not love this? Like, no, no, I, they, they spoke to me with this match. And I, there's no <laughs> way I could have hated it no matter what happened. We saw the coffin drop in the coffin match, as we predicted on the last show as well. Uh, Sting hit the Scorpion Death Drop. Swerve was freaking awesome in this match. Darby was as awesome as he always is in these crazy-ass matches. But to me, it will always be Sting in my heart, and I could never not love this. I'm sorry if everyone disagrees, but Sting is my guy. I love this match. It was so fun. I just wish that it had been Fox instead of Christian, or they could have at least got here without making me hate this whole story. But for a match itself, like all of his matches, all of the Sting and Darby matches, they worked, and I and I loved it. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite Sting match probably since like shit. I honestly, I have like cage match pulled up right now, so I'm gonna try to find this. But um, how about that bump where Darby, the first time he tried to do the coffee coffin drop, but he only got the coffin. Dude, okay, that's one of my favorite bumps, like in coffin yep. matches. Um, so, yeah, great. I saw Sequel play and Matt Justice do that spot like five times in a single match in Vegas once, and so I was so happy. I'm I, I'm not, admittedly, I'm not a big fan of. Darby Allen outside of the ring for numerous reasons, but his whole, like, I'm going to break my back spots never get old to me. Oh, and what about um, the stuff when his hands were taped, like Christian taped his hands behind the back and he still was able to wrestle with that. Yep. That was like so fucking awesome. Did you see, God, this is so long ago, but Darby and Ethan Page's feud yeah. revolve. Yeah. That's, I saw the whole thing. Anytime Darby gets his hands put behind his back, I automatically go back to like the yeah. handcuffs in the body bag. Um, and it's it's funny because everyone's like, oh, my God. I'm like, I think Darby wrestles better with his hands behind his fucking back. So <laughs> at this point, the guy the guy knows how to do it. Um, but, yeah, I, maybe my favorite Sting match in just a very long time since, like, God, I don't know. The most recent ones haven't done as much for me. But, like, I'm looking at OG Forbidden Door with Shingo right now. But um, uh, just a, that was super fun. And that's not to say I haven't liked him. They just haven't had, like, the same big – alert to me recently yeah. um i loved the spot at the end where you know he prevents the coffin from closing with the bat um and i thought it was funny at the end because swerve's hair was sticking out the coffin and people at my house were like why doesn't that count and they were freaking out Ooh, um, that's, a, that's a technicality <laughs> that that he needs to claim that and say i was not fully in that coffin exactly my hair was sticking out that's and then right. the other thing was nick wayne's spot where like he comes out and then he gets picked up by luchasaurus and excalibur goes because then luchasaurus carries him to the back and excalibur goes who knows what luchasaurus has planned for little nick wayne backstage <laughs> like what horrors he has planned and one of my friends just goes what do they do to each other backstage? Like just completely confused because <laughs> it's just like this very like, 
I don't know. I thought that was a super funny and random call, but yeah, I would, I would give this one like a solid three, five as well. Um, definitely like, I don't know. I, I love Swerve. I wish Christian got put in the coffin again instead of Swerve, just because I think it would be so funny for Christian to get put in coffins twice in one year. <laughs> in one year and get buried again. <laughs> yeah. Um, more than anything, I guess I'm just, I don't know what's next for Swerve after this. Like, he came oh. into this with Fox with like the best position he's had so far. Yeah. And now he just lost this major feud and he's sort of just alone again. Um, and that was another thing I hated about that angle because that's exactly what I thought. I told somebody this, that Swerve is never getting pushed in this company, no matter how much I wish it would happen because it's like, you've killed him now, like in this group, like you've killed everything he lost. He got put in the coffin. He lost his, like the thing that heated him up most and now, like you said, what could possibly be next? Uh, the, I think they've, the, I think they've really hurt him. The only thing I'd be like really excited for, we'll see what they do, but a feud with Fox. Yeah, like let let him let him do it. We know what they could do in the the Lucha Underground days. What was that and called? The, like the War is Hell or the Hell of War? Yeah, something like that. But it was the best yeah. match in Lucha Underground history yep. <laughs> that they had. Uh, not, and a fantastic uh, death match with an amazing ending on top of it. One of the best parts of the entire show. If they could just run that back in AEW, I'm 1 million percent for that. Uh, yeah. I, I hope that they do something. Because Swerve is so good. If we were to rank, like, if we were to, like, do scouting on the wrestlers and rate everybody with attributes, like, in ring. This is a show I wanted to do, by the way, in the future. Uh, rank, wow. like, promo, character, look, wrestling. He would be, like elite tier like top tier top five yeah. top ten guy in the whole company um, yeah and darby and singers are so fun uh like going in there christian a great heel even at his advanced age i think he was perfect for what he wanted to do i do think the match would have been better if it was fox instead of him still but for what we got it was good like you said i do agree he should have been the one in the coffin by the end but i still love this this was a a four-star match for me sick yeah, I really loved that. And uh, then the next match we had, forget the match, Fozzie. What did you think about this performance here as Jericho gets to live one of his uh, more of his dreams that he gets to have here performing in Wembley Stadium? When he started the Freddie Mercury thing, I'm going to be completely honest here, Another Dylan. Freddie you, might, you might have to carry this one because right when Chris Jericho – so when Darby and Sting's match started, my friend was like, hey, just so you know, we got to go to lunch after this. I was like, okay. So I was pretty much just on my own after that match. Um, so Chris Jericho went, beat it up. And then I went to get a burger. <laughs> so I did, I did not watch this match. I Will Ospreay is not someone that does a lot for me. Um, I think I maybe fall into the minority on that. Um, and Chris Jericho, this feud, I was just so uninterested. I had already seen one Don Callis thing in the night. Yeah. Um, I heard great things about the match. I would love to hear all about it. But yeah, I I was out getting a burger for this, and I came back during the House of Black's entrance. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I can't blame you for not wanting to listen to Jericho sing here. Yeah, how was it? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> it was as good as you would expect his singing to be if you if you see them on Twitter. Um, I hate this whole feud. It was so stupid how they've gotten here. <laughs> I, I liked the promo, I Dynamite, between the two and the contract signing. I thought it was good, 
except for the fact that this whole storyline is so fucked up and messed up. Why? So, okay. You had Jericho try to cut a promo here on Osprey, and Osprey cut basically a babyface promo on Dynamite, where he was talking about how he's doing it to support his stepson. Like, the only reason he's doing this match is to get a big match on a big show to pay for college for his stepson that he's took on in his life. In this match, you start off with Jericho singing the song, the whole crowd's going crazy, babyface moment. And then in the match, Osprey comes out. A fantastic entrance, too, with the fireworks. Uh, it looked great. He comes out complete babyface with Don Callis. <laughs> None of this is computing. Like, at the match, Jericho, after singing the song that everyone loves so much, he flip, the, one of the first things he does is flip off the fans and work as a heel. The psychology of this was so bad and messed up. I can't believe – I'm sure that they don't even care. Ultimately, like based on a lot of what they did, but everything was so messed up in the babyface heel spot in this match. But as a match, I'm like you. Osprey's not my favorite guy in the world. Uh, I'm I was down. I've always been down in his wrestling compared to most people. I thought in the G1 this year, he really had a standout performance. I got to give him his props. Uh, he was one of the glue the glue guys in the tournament this year in Japan. If any of you guys listening have seen his work, I thought he did a fantastic job, especially against Naito, where Naito, well, he did knock him out in the first place, so it's kind of his own fault. But he did do a fantastic job of, like, saving that match with basically somebody who couldn't do anything because he was unconscious. Uh, And he made it work as ridiculous as it was to see him lose this unconscious man. He was able to save the match. I was really impressed on a pure wrestling level. But this match here... He did a lot of good stuff. Um, you had a lot of big spots. You know, you had the big shooting star press going on there. Um, they did a spot where he tried to do a springboard into a, a code breaker, uh, but they kind of messed it up a little bit. It looked more like a backstabber uh, a little bit. Uh, Jericho tried to come off and do the the os cutter here in the match, and it was bad <laughs> pretty much. But I did think that Osprey did a, a formidable job carrying him to the best he could do here. And then they just had the, your – this match This match was so Jericho could, quote-unquote, prove that he could work a Will Osprey match in 2023. And he didn't keep up with him, in my opinion. But there was, a, there was enough good in this match that I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. But you have to turn your brain off away from the storyline or the heel babyface dynamic because it was all muddled. It all didn't make any sense. And they just did a terrible job. Not any of the two wrestlers, but how they set this match up. It really feels like this is another thing. There were rumors a couple weeks ago that the card got ripped up and this match was thrown on there. And that definitely came across that way with the buildup and how they worked the match. And and Osprey did get a great babyface reaction from the crowd, which I think everybody thought he would coming in front of his hometown audience. Why wouldn't he? It doesn't make any sense why they did this. Why would you pair him with Don Callis? If this was just Jericho and Osprey, I think this match would have worked a lot better from a psychological standpoint. To put Osprey with Callis takes away from all of that and away from the promo that they cut, which I thought was spirited. I thought was Jericho did some of his best work. I'm not. I haven't been a big fan of Jericho at all in the last year or two, or really the whole company's existence, to be honest with you. But 
Do you remember his last match against Adam Cole? One of the worst matches of the year. Nobody liked it. Uh, this was definitely a lot better than that, I would say. And it was a good match. I give it like a three, maybe three and a half stars. And it got a, an 8.04 rating. So they're, they're even a little higher on on, my, on me. So it kind of depends on what you think about Jericho and Osprey. But that's about where I would have it. Yeah. Would, okay. Would you say I should go back and watch this one? Watch the entrances. And from there, if, you, if, you're, if you've got a good vibe from the entrances, you might want to check it out. <laughs> if you've got a bad vibe from the entrances... I think you'll li- honestly you'll live if you skip it, but it's not like you'll hate yourself if you watch it. Either, I don't think. I'm just um, I'm picturing now like Osprey walking out, babyface pop, Callus is behind him, then they send out Hogan, then Punk. <laughs> Hogan. He's got <laughs> yeah. Mohammed bin S- uh, Salman behind him, just the crown prince. Every single like just yeah, heel. Like, who the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> Conor McGregor. Uh, <laughs> he's just like, walking out, and everyone's like, "Woo!" Uh, okay, but good to know. I will check out his entrance. Yeah, the fireworks display was awesome that he had there. So then we cut. Like you said, you got your burger. Where, where did you get this burger from? Oh, just Sonic down the street, unfortunately, because it was close. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I can approve of Sonic. They've got good drinks and shakes and stuff like that. That's true. As well. So I shouldn't shoot on Sonic. They have a great rewards program. <laughs> I, they're not my number one choice, but I could get down with Sonic. Uh, now yeah. that, N- Nanny loves it. They're, like that's one of her favorite places to eat. But we haven't gone there in a while. Maybe we will soon. Uh, but you got back. They announced the attendance. Uh, Nigel's like, "Hey, we've got the attendance: eighty-one thousand and thirty-five people here, uh, which is said to be totally legit as well. So uh, good on AEW for that. With all their problems, we have uh, they did a good job there. Uh, going into the House of Black and the acclaimed Billy Gunn. To me, <laughs> this might have been the best build up to a match on this show. <laughs> and I thought it was such a layup to have them win. And when they did it, the crowd just went insane. Uh, they, um, Max Caster's rap was talking about like, um, like the the royal family, how everyone's a disgrace in the family, Prince, whatever, <laughs> Prince Charles or whoever the fuck it is. There, sorry to our England uh, listeners, but I Andrew don't Prince Andrew. Uh, Prince Andrew, that. yes, I apologize, Prince Charles, for that. Prince <laughs> Andrew is a disgrace, according to Max Caster. Um, shot on Megan. Uh, called a he made he said House of Black looked like the kids from Harry Potter, <laughs> on there, which is ridiculous. Uh, I don't know how they're alike at all, but sure. I, yeah. I mean, that's like what I think about when I see Brody King is like, you look just like Harry Potter. Uh, no. uh, but yeah, I mean, this was like the easiest layup on the show. Uh, they, in the end, the badass Billy Gunn got the win with the fame master uh, into the, the mic drop. Actually, the got the pin. Uh, it wasn't any kind of good match, but it, you can't deny this. This accomplished exactly what it wanted to and what it needed to here. And I thought it was like perfect for what it is. Yes, I am a huge, huge fan of the acclaimed. Like to me. Oh. They never should have lost the tag titles. They could have held them till Wembley and it would have worked for me. Um, They are so hot and it feels like they're just not as hot anymore, which sucks. But um, this was fun. Like the most AEW shit ever, though, is being like, what's your stipulation? And they're like, no holds barred after a coffin match. A stadium stampede match. That was another um, show I had with this whole show. Is that like every match was gimmick on gimmick on gimmick dude, on gimmick? And that's just AEW now, really. Like they are 
you know, seemingly incapable of just doing a show without numerous, numerous stipulations. And the thing is like, okay, look, you can do a show where it's like two out of three falls, um, you know, something where it's like pure rules, uh, hardcore. But the problem with AEW is that all of their stipulations pretty much just bleed into the same exact match stip, which is hardcore wrestling. I do not. I mean, I fucking love hardcore wrestling, but it like like you were saying with GCW, right? And how glass has um, what's the term? It's like uh, um, diminishing returns. Um and with AEW, there are people who can absolutely do hardcore matches, and there are people where it just isn't is great. And I think in those moments it, it really suffers. But you know, I'm not gonna claim to remember a lot from this match. For me, the match was a lot more about getting to see the acclaimed in Wembley, the House of Black entrance, and the nod to Bray was very sweet. Um I honestly thought was- this was one of Caster's weakest raps, but also, um, I can't I feel like he's had to make 20 raps about House of Black at this point. So I don't know how much further he could go. <laughs> like the, the pinnacle is still him saying Malachi does blackface, which is pretty true. Um, and that was, that was hilarious. And set up. Yeah. I remember that we had the guy in the blackface mask in the band and <laughs> the main event. That's yes. True. And then I think he called Buddy like getting cucked by Dom or so, just all those obscene things he usually says. Right. And this one felt so tame and just, you know, obviously catered to the local audience. But um, I'm really happy to claim that Billy Gunn have the titles. I think that they're going to be a really fun trio. Um, Like House of Black is badass, but they just didn't. There's no one that's like they're so cool that it kind of hurts them in the way of like, I don't know. I, I think that Malachi really needs to get a world title shot. It's been years. And I can't even think of a time where he's had a singles program since Cody. Yeah. Like, because Andrade was what? That was like all members. Um, You had Miro before he left. Yep. And just like, ah. so I'm excited to see what the House of Black does. And then this puts the acclaimed back in a position where, you know, they can just have fun. And I'm all for a final Billy Gunn run. I think that. This trio's title reign will hopefully get some good weight to it with, you know, if they lose, Billy will retire. Um, that's always a pretty fun step. And also, I will say I, I I enjoy the the concept of being able to add a stipulation. I did like that open house thing. Um, yeah, that like, was good. I just didn't like when they had the the gyro ball effect on the crowd where they took t- like it turned the crowd into like blinking lights or whatever. Oh, that had to go. But I like that. They, <laughs> they, they kind of stopped that. <laughs> I think they realized how stupid that was. But the idea of the house rules, like you said, picking a step, I think that's a great idea. They could have got they never really used it to their full potential, though. No, it was always like no holds barred. There's always the fucking step. Yeah, it's like the old like, WWE uh, Cyber Sunday when it's like you get a vote on the match and the match yeah. steps. It's like no DQ, no holds barred, or street fight. Count anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the fuck. Yeah, it's all the uh, same shit. Yeah, yeah, but I I think that they could have done some really cool stuff with this though if they wanted to, like you know a, you know, drop somebody in a swimming pool match or something like that. Um, <laughs> I like because the ones we saw was like, ah, uh, no witches at ringside. 
<laughs> was was one of them, and the other one was like, oh, we don't have any, we have no picks, and now this time it's oh, well, it's no DQ. So, yeah, that was one of the most frustrating ones. Is we don't pick. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude? yeah, that's like, totally so lazy. Yes. Well, you can use that submission only, or you must win with the, you know, with a certain move, or like, you know, the the end, like the blackout kick is banned, like it's something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know, but I we'll see where they go. I think, much like I said earlier. Uh, about Jack Perry a little bit. There's a skeleton of a great group here that I don't think they fully capitalized on yet. And yeah. all great wrestlers, though. Like, I love watching them wrestle. All three of them, I think, are really strong. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But, I mean, this is, like I said, this is the match I was most confident about predicting was, like, you can't pass up the ability to give up this pop. And look how look how happy Mercedes was with this scissoring thing at the end. Uh, <laughs> Like she loved that when they cut to her. Why did they cut to her this and not the women's title match? Because she was actually <laughs> smiling. It's, yeah, she probably looked like oh, this match sucks. <laughs> like, she was thinking like, oh, I don't want to watch this. She was yeah, literally this- holding her nose and like and pretending that she smelled something bad the whole time. <laughs> like oh, I don't want to watch Saliva. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she loved the scissoring and, and the crowd. Like I said, this was the easiest layup on the show, so I was very happy yeah. they gave him the belt. Good stuff, like basic, like old school pro wrestling here. <laughs> they get them here for a good title. Good stuff, which is the opposite of the main event here. And I cannot wait to, to hear your thoughts on this match. And they go to the world title. Adam Cole versus MJF. They had already wrestled once to start the show, winning the Ring of Honor titles. It was like a six-minute match or whatever, so <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. But still, main event time. I have to know what you thought of this match here. And this has the highest rating on cage match of any match on the show, which was a stunner <laughs> when I saw it. But yep. 8.67 here. And the thing is, this is over with their fans. But I will ask you about this match, this whole story that they've concocted and gotten through with these two. What What do you think of all of this, Nello? All right. I got two words for you. <clears throat> Bloodline bullshit. <laughs> oh wait bullshit's not too one word god damn um, yeah like there was it's like they wanted to be so smart in this match and do so many callbacks and none of it made any fucking sense it was like every, after every three minutes it's like they forgot what existed before um Cole hitting MJF on the stairs with a pile driver and then being like, oh, can I hit him with a chair? Um, the Roddy playing the Jay Uso or just the Uso role was so dumb. Like how Roddy just shows up in London. He's like, you're my best friend. Like none of it made sense to me. <laughs> and I think like the the moment where I just totally checked out on the match is they do the double pin. And then the match ends because it's a double pin and Adam Cole gets the mic. And what does he say after they, the match ends because of a double pin five more minutes. minutes. And because yes, that's the callback, but you know how else you could have done that callback. Just make it Adam Cole asking to continue the match. There was literally no, nothing in relation to time to stoppage to time limit and yet he said five minutes and that to me was just the biggest like indicator of how brain dead this match was 
Um, like in the sense of, again, it's like just because you're making callbacks doesn't necessarily mean that they're intelligent. Um, and this is becoming really, really like catastrophic in American main event world title wrestling. Like, yeah. look at the past three big world titles we've discussed, right? Reigns versus Jay. Uh, I'll even say Masha versus Blake. And then MJF versus Cole. And the, the, the one thread, the one piece of connective tissue is that every single one of those matches has the most unbelievably blown out, overbooked third act imaginable. Yeah. And it sucks because there's still some good wrestling that comes in this. And, you know, at first, before it really derailed for me, I was like, okay, well, you know, they already gave us that 30 minute match that, you know, and that was about as good of a pro wrestling match as you could hope for between these two. Like, that was a really good match. That was. Um, so, so, so I was so surprised with that because I came in really not looking forward to it, but they had a great match. Totally agreed. And this has finally felt like because when Adam Cole was fighting Heyman for the title, he didn't necessarily feel like a like he was really that person in the company yet. And I think that Cole does feel like that top star now. But none of this answered anything for me. Like, again, like, oh, I'm going to hit you now. Oh, I'm not. And then the whole like post match angle where they just continue to hug it out. But again, like. MJF does the same exact tease at the end of this, and I, I'm very over it. Like with all of this, this inundation of just ridiculous, over-the-top storytelling. Um, like to me, this was more overbooked than Stadium Stampede, and that has ten people in it. Yeah, um, and pen, technically eleven with Penta Oscuro. They still had a six man. Um, but yeah, like it's just those glaring. And you know what's fucked up is when these glaring creative decisions completely like overshadow the actual wrestling in the match. Yeah. yeah. Because I can't like uh, what I remember from the match is Cole absolutely destroying MGF. The spots that stick out for me, him hitting the hit, hit, uh, heat seeker, that ridiculous fucking uh, neckbreaker Ushiguroshi on the stairs. Yeah. Um, like all of those spots were incredible. And you know what it reminded me of? Cole versus Briscoe from Final Battle like a decade ago um, when they were at uh, the fuck the old ECW arena 2500 what is it called I can't remember Hammerstein not Hammerstein the oh. um, other one 2500 arena 2300 yeah the 2300 arena sorry um, and yeah, like it. This had that Adam Cole ferocity that I've been missing, and I thought that they were really, really doing this double turn super well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just, they just decided to all stick their feet out and pull out their Cash Wheeler revolvers and shoot themselves in the foot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could keep rambling about it, but what do you think? To be fair. Cash never shot anyone. I just, want to make, I just want to make that very oh, no, clear. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just for all legal purposes, <laughs> we, we have to clarify that. Um, but I, this storyline was so irritating to me. And I know the thing is, I know that it's so over with their fan base. Like the the people in the arena universally love everything they're doing. And I thought the promo MJF cut. A dynamite, the go home show was fantastic. 
I like the story about Adam Cole being one of his dream opponents, along with Cody Rhodes. So much real emotion you got into it. The problem is it was preceded by them doing a Crocodile Dundee skit, talking about kangaroo kicks. In the past, going to the Chinese restaurant and saying, owie, it's too spicy. It's like, what? What is this? Like, why do people like this? And then the promos they cut in the ring have all been really strong, I thought. But the backstage segments are so cheap. It makes it like makes the company look bad that this is your world title program, in my opinion. But then ultimately, the fans love it so much when they go out and they buy into this stuff. That really, all of my complaints don't matter in the grand scheme of things to their fan base, clearly. But this is still my opinion <laughs> that I'm laying out here. And I was ready – if you had liked this, I was ready to fight you over it because I hated <laughs> this match. I thought it was one of the worst main events of the year, equally as offensive as the Roman and Jay match at SummerSlam. Maybe even more so, actually, because whatever you want to say – like you said, community theater acting for sure with the bloodline and all of that stuff there. Roderick Strong is like watching Tommy Maso. <laughs> like like he, he is the Tommy Maso of wrestling, right? Like this is this is the room in, in wrestling form, I feel like we're watching he, yeah. our eyes. He went from pinning Chris Jericho to like just wearing a neck yes. brace and being a dummy for fucking three months. And I don't know if he's actually injured or or what, they're, but they're ruining him. <laughs> like yeah. this is one of my favorite wrestlers. Like they're ruining him in, in front of our eyes. And everybody tried to defend this, saying, "Oh, it'll be revealed he was in on it all along." How can he be in on it all along? They just they reconciled like right in the main event of the biggest show. Yep. Like it, it doesn't matter. He looks like an idiot every week, and this is one of your best wrestlers. <laughs> like why are they doing this to him? What did he do to deserve this? So, uh, I just that is offensive to me how Roderick has been used. Remember like last week he kicked the tire and like hurt his leg on it. It was so stupid. I thought this would be out of place on a Nickelodeon show, you know, like he has like the power ranking right now of Mike Bennett when he was getting cuckolded on WWE. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, It was Maria. Yeah. That's about where he's at. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, when you look at this type of show, right, MJF and Adam Cole wrestled twice, and to me, absolutely jack shit has changed in this absolutely. feud, in this relationship. It did not add any new ripples, except now they actually have tag belts, but that are wildly inconsequential at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, this needed to get a new ripple, but again, it's like, it's crazy that this was in front of 80,000 people. Exactly. They wrestled twice and both times they they absolutely had the audience in the palm of their hand which can't be denied but to me this story has nothing in addition to it now and if these were the aew tag titles i would say yes that's a huge ripple now right but yeah. the roh tag titles this is not something i put any weight or investment yeah, into no, until they look at how we started the show you were questioning if they'd even show up on ring of honor yeah, and, as you and, should. As, as totally reasonable of you to question. And the execution, this melodramatic stuff doesn't fit when ultimately the guy we've known for these years, MJF, has been known to be the ultimate 
devil, as he calls himself in this company, talking about how Liv Morgan blew him in a, a car not that long ago and he crashed a car and, and killed somebody and all this other crazy crap he talked about. He's done every scumbag things, brought up Brian Danielson's kids. Like, he's done everything scumbag. But now we're to believe in a matter of two months? Like, now he's a this changed man because of Adam Cole? It's like, this is a storyline that would work in a year-long struggle, like, to me. Like, so, like they went for bitter enemies on top of it. Remember that first promo they had where he was talking about Cole called him on, out for being on steroids <laughs> out there. And MJF was like, no, you're too skinny, like, you know, and all this other stuff that they were talking about, uh, going after his wife and all that other crap that he always does. We went from that in a matter of, like, two or three weeks to now we're playing video games and going to the Chinese restaurant. This story doesn't work with the time they've put into it. Like, for a character like MJF, I'm all for a redemption story. And I, some would say he should have been a babyface last year, which I agree with, actually. Um, I think they've done a good job of his character not being like – he's still MJF, but now he's like much more of a babyface-leaning version without it being like, oh, his t- character has totally changed. Now he's this honorable character. He's saying he's a scumbag. But the the story beats of these two's friendship hasn't lasted long enough, in my opinion, to warrant all of this. And unfortunately for me, the crowd disagrees with that because, like you said, they're completely over. Like the hottest thing they have in the company. I don't know what kind of you know business metrics there are, whatever merch they're selling with the Better Than You Baby T-shirts. I don't know. But like you said, this is my ultimate point on all of this. You totally hit the nail on the head. I would be okay with all of these criticisms that I have about this storyline if it was the opening match. This is for the world title in your biggest show ever by far. 80,000 people. The biggest show in wrestling history. They hyped it up. And like you said, nothing happened. <laughs> like the, There was no step forward. No meaningful change. And on top of it, in this match... For all of this talk, MJF is now – like you said, they built up to the double turn kind of where Cole is going to be the one to turn on MJF. <laughs> I think they've, they've kind of set that up. In the match, they play that, and I want to shout out a specific user on Cage Match here who wrote a great review uh, of this match. Uh, user um, Aaron Carr here, uh, th- 3.0 out of 10, where he was talking about how uh, – he played up hitting cool moves to pop the fans, had an uh, awfully hokey crisis of conscience about Tombstone and Cole on the table. That was so stupid when he did that. But And he'd happily accept the match restart, which was like to, to show his growth from the 30-minute the draw that they had. But then he also happily initiated multiple ref bumps, tried to get Cole DQ'd with an Eddie tribute spot, try, uh, nearly KO'd him with the ring, and even pinned Cole off of a cheap roll-up. So that's a great point, too. There's no even consistency with his character, I I would say, or Cole or Roddy, for that matter. Uh, So there's just there's so many problems that we can go into. But I I hated this match. I I gave it zero. I thought it was a a terrible match, and I hated the way it made me feel after watching it. Because like you said, with the bloodline, with the grand scheme of things, is this where wrestling's going? And it's a scary thought. It sucks if so. Um, Again, it's... It's so many ideas, but the issue is that 
you know, when you have a question, you should be able to answer it to resolve conflict, right? And there are so many questions about this match because of the ideas inherently being in conflict with each other. Like you just discussed, like, is this a match about two chicken shits trying to chicken out chicken shit each other? Is this a match about Cole going evil and MJF solidifying himself as a baby face? Is this match about Roddy and Cole's past and Roddy trying to push Cole to become the bastard that he really is? And the answer is all of them. But the issue is that there's no, they made no considerations to, have them all work together because maybe there is a way to make it work. Like honestly, that Eddie chair spot out of place, but I liked it still. I was like, you know what? This is a sequence completely on its own. I thought it was a funny thing. I totally Um, agree. If it had been done at any other time than when they did, it was so stupid because you were trying to build up this restart deal and did to go right to that. Oh my God. I was thinking like, why did they, why, 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 (laughs) why this makes no sense with what you just showed us. Do we talk about the fact that the um, that GCW Homecoming's twelve man three four three man tag team scramble match um, have the same spot as this match with yeah. someone giving the fucking ref a Panama sunrise? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I hate that so much. I, it was done so much better in that GCW match in here. It just they they, they tried to portray this. As like an accidental Panama Sunrise. The problem is, to do this move, you have to leap off the rope. You have to hit. You have to hit two leaps to do this. So if you were to hit one leap, you could easily just stop. There's no yeah. reason you can't. He even stopped. Like he had like a split second pause where he's like, "Oh no, what am I about to do?" And then he just did it anyway. What? What was that? What was that? Now, I don't understand. I do understand. It was stupid. It's not me that's not understanding. It was a stupid spot, timed very poorly, and uh, I hated this match. I really did. Like easily the worst match on the show, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would honestly put this in line with like the the six man that we were discussing earlier with the uh, Golden Elite. Um, for separate reasons, you know, this one was just a major yeah. major letdown. Um, it's again, it's like, if this is, and maybe this is just different, you know, ideologies and approaches to wrestling. Right. And you and I are both very, very embedded with the Japanese wrestling. And that's sort of like our thing, right? Japanese main event wrestling, you know, for the most part is very, very different than what this new approach has become. And, you know, I, I think that this has been an issue with AEW though, since the beginning, um, You're right about that. That's a great point because that's something a lot of people complained about, the melodrama, and I still hate it now, but what you're about to say is totally true. Yeah, I mean, like, you look at Moxley's reign, right? Yeah. I quit match. Um, uh, dog Even collar like, or whatever with Brody the, or something, the right? explosion match that they had. Explosion match. Yeah. Every fucking single title match has skips for the most part, always. Um, and one of the only times you really got these without skips – and even I guess I should say non-hardcore stips was Hangman with like Brian a little bit, but yeah. even then you have the Texas Death Match against Archer, but at least you you started getting some non-hardcore stips. But yeah, like it's just um, I would love for there to be world title matches where they can simply be fucking matches for a world title or any of, match on the card to just be like that. <laughs> I thought yeah, because the. The closest we got was 
Jericho and Osprey, and you you had Sonic to get to. You you couldn't watch that then. Yeah, I couldn't even watch it. And you still had the human melted candle out there too. You still yeah, had the Spy Kids tooth them. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think that's why. Like I said, and we're about to bury him in a second, but that's why I like the opener so much because at least we just had a normal match on the show uh, mm. there. Like that was a very nice thing to see instead of this and all of the crazy gimmicks and. So, and I liked and to be fair, I liked most of the gimmicks. You know, the stadium stampede match worked. I loved the coffin match. Um, and there was a lot to like about the show. But the finish was so bad to me. Like you said, I can't believe they ended it this way with no like they said, no movement, no movement forward in this story that they built up. And I was going to hate it no matter what, just because the match, how it was and all the reasons you pointed out. But just with no ending in sight, I was just so disappointed by that main event. But still, though, the the star of this show, none of these matches, in my opinion, were match of the year level matches on the show, mm-hmm. even the ones I liked. But the aura of it all, the atmosphere, the crowd, that was the star of this show, in my opinion, was the Wembley Stadium, like the, the experience, the, the crowd shots from the sky. That made it feel like a WrestleMania level show. It's something very special that I'm thankful happened. As many criticisms I have, as many cracks as I think there are in this suit of armor that AEW has been wearing, and there's a lot of questions going forward. At the end of the day, I still like this show, and I'm glad that I watched it, and I'm glad that it happened, even though uh, the main event left me a lot. And there were some issues with all the matches in a lot of ways, but I think that the show overall has to be considered a thumbs up in a vacuum but in the grand scheme, I don't know. Like, I guess it remains to be seen. But, I, you know, I give this a 7, maybe an 8 out of 10. It has 8.83 as a show on Cage Rush right now. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna try to sum up my thoughts here just because I do have to run in a second. Yeah. So I'm so, so sorry. Don't but um, definitely a legendary show. Um, for me, I'll probably remember it for what it was as opposed to what was in it more so. Um, it's a prototype for this new tradition that Carl wants to start. This is about as impressive as you can be in terms of, you know, the, the surface success, right? Number of tickets sold, just the complete allure of it, uh, the whole stadium setup, et cetera, their, their debut in Europe. But next year, I think that, you know, they really need to break out the Hercules plate with the become a meat and potatoes guy and really give the fans what they want um, because, you know, they had the – um, benefit of just running in the UK for the first time. They don't have that this second time. Um, you know, are you going to have all of the people traveling from out of country again in for this? If it's just going to be a show like this again, probably not. Um, do you have enough titles in your company now to book two back-to-back shows? Yes, and I think that they need to approach it as a WrestleMania yep. um, thing. You know, where it's you are getting. You know, just hypothetically speaking, right, let's say it's MJF versus Cole next year for the world title on All In. Give us MJF and fucking uh, just again so random Sammy Guevara versus Cole and Roddy, right? And like an old All Japan fucking brutal tag match to build up the next one. Um, you don't need to fit it all, but you need to make it matter. Um just to like go into the CM Punk stuff real quick, it's so frustrating. I genuinely do not know what it's like to be able to examine an AEW show afterwards. Like we, I think in a year now since All Out, 
or since Punk got injured at double or nothing, right? We have not been able to experience the um, the word of mouth and the buzz of an AEW show afterwards in a year and a half. And that's fucking so annoying because it always comes back to the same guy, the same parasite, the same poison. Um, and for someone who, again, just took a microphone and decided to literally cut a promo in a ring about someone he is not in a feud with, someone he has no communication with apparently just to shit talk them and other people, and then to turn around and get absolutely pissed off. It's someone who said one line on a show about a story that he leaked to House of Wrestling, 95% sure of that, because House of Wrestling is just Punk's new fucking live journal. Yeah, and, pretty um, much, yeah. <laughs> so it's like last year at All Out, he's upset because people are leaking things to, you know, the the press, uh, which is a loose term and all that. Um, and it's just like, dude, you know, every single thing that you are criticizing, you are perpetrating before it happens to you. Like, and at some point it's, I, I just, I have no fucking interest. Like I, I would watch Collision if he wasn't on it at this point. Like literally the fact that he is on it makes me not want to. Um, I have no issues with Jack Perry. I don't care. I thought it was, you know, I completely see what you're saying in terms of like, um, you know, maybe illustrating that the glass later is fake. And that's what's yeah. really good perspective because I didn't think of it. But I'm like, good. Honestly, dude, good. <laughs> Like people should not back down from this prick. He is a bully and he seems to be totally incapable of like analyzing his own actions and all that shit. Right. And like the fact that the story came out afterwards of him having to find his own way to a hotel was the cherry on the cake for me <laughs> because it shows that one, again, he leaked that shit to Houseman. Two, he is so completely out of touch with society and humanity that he thinks that that would elicit him sympathy that he's unable to use Uber or get around a fucking city. Like that's just privilege through and through. Um, and yeah, it, it's God, I have nothing other than to say left than I'm tired about it. Really? Like it sucks that after the largest gate in pro rest paid gate in pro wrestling history it is literally like you look at squared circle right now and like, God damn, let me see how many of the top stories on this thing. Just right oh boy. <laughs> like, okay, so let's say the top 10. One, two, uh, let's see. Oh, wait, this is new. My apologies. This isn't. Oh, no, this is hot. Okay, so three out of the ten are about punk. And then once you go underneath that, it's just all Sean Sap, PW Torch, Fightful Update, all the – and I'm just like, dude, like I, I used to go on Squared Circle because I wanted to see new things and cool highlights and what people were talking about. But, like, man, is – I'm just done. That's it. <laughs> Ricky Starks, that's just fucking do something with Ricky Starks. He's better than CM Punk. But yeah, that's I don't know. What do you think? As much of a prick as Punk is, I think there's two things. I uh, you know I'll quickly go through this. Um, maybe me and Sandra talk about it at some point in the near future. 
uh, when he feels better. I know he got sick, uh, but we will. I will get to him, and we will get to him and his ex- live experience because he also had a lot of traveling problems, much like CM Punk. And I think a lot of people did. I thought the wrestling media did such a poor job with everything, like when that was going on. Just in the last couple of days, even after the show, the last few days after the show, there's been so – I don't understand why these people – I guess I understand on a business sense, you know, these big names and the mainstream media, mainstream wrestling media, whatever. Why are they so obsessed with just rushing to the you know, rushing to the panel and, and putting out whatever they want out there? There's been so many retractions, changes of stories, contradictions, different sides. And obviously the wrestlers themselves are feeding like you, you know, said with Houseman, but not just him, a lot of different people. You know, whether it's your Melchers or Sean Ross Saps, you've got guys, you know, backup hangman, whatever, whatever. Like these punk camps and his enemies, they're feeding stuff to the media. And sometimes I even said it on Twitter. I really felt like, and it came out to be actually totally what I said. I thought that people were rushing to these media guys to basically abuse themselves in a lot of cases. And that's why you saw stuff like the Miro story where at first it was presented as these two about to come to blows, which I wish would have happened. Miro would have been my hero. Another great rhyme that I brought out right now. Uh, Nashville, uh, Nashville Preds fan in the house right now, Miro. But <laughs> that would have been so amazing if that had happened. But then it just turns out that it was just a joking interaction. It wasn't that big of a deal. There's so much like gossip stuff, stuff falling on Tony Khan's head. Uh, you've got wrestlers like Samoa Joe made that tweet talking about is your friendship commodified or is it real? And it could be useful both ways, but if it's commodified, it sucks. A very poignant point. Nothing, nothing against Joe at all. I thought he handled himself very well uh, in the match yeah. as well. Uh, but just so much bad stuff from the media. Just hold off. Like, let's wait and see how this turns out. And a big part of the reason why I think it's that way is at the hands and feet of Tony Khan himself. This stuff should have been nipped in the bud immediately. You know he had to be furious that – his biggest accomplishment ever, 80,000 people. You've beaten WrestleMania, something maybe a lot of people doubted you'd ever be able to do, even when you announced the show. Besides me, like I believed in him. I thought that they would do it, but a lot of people thought that they wouldn't. The first thing he says is, we have an investigation. The same stuff we saw last year after All Out, the investigation about the brawl. Where did that investigation go? We don't know. He never said why. And that's the problem. Why aren't these things being corrected to the public immediately? If you ask him about Fulham, which he was also tweeting about, or the Jaguars, then he has no problem addressing a contract situation or an issue on the team. He will address it to the media. Why doesn't he do that for the wrestling media and solve all of this right away? Just say, hey. only. My only thought would be the the employment status of pro wrestlers is different than that of yeah. football players in in both respects. I'll say football players, right? So yeah. that, that would be my only thing is since they are independent contractors, if there is more like different legality involved, I guess, because it, if it – and again, I say this with absolutely no understanding, but if they are independent contractors, then maybe it has to be like that 
internal or third party investigation into actually what happened. I, I have no fucking clue, but that would be the only reason why I could see it. Um, and then like, I don't know. It's it's hard with pro wrestling as well. And I completely agree with you in terms of absolute transparency, but it's like with football, right? Or like basketball. What's, um, oh my God, who's the guy who always fucking brandishes the gun on like Instagram and keeps getting in trouble? Uh, you're talking about John Morant. At Memphis yes. I have a Memphis Grizzlies jersey I'm wearing right now. When he does that, it's like he gets suspended and we know, okay, he's not fucking playing, right? With something like punk or these situations, because there's like actual planned out storyline. Yeah. I don't know if that factors into it. Like, hey, we had all this. Yeah, we need to figure out what the fuck is going to happen to this now because it's like, you know, we could say CM Punk is suspended. I don't know. I feel like I'm just making excuses, but again, why can't even if they're independent contractors, why can't he just say for the benefit of your paying fans that a lot of which maybe have already brought tickets to all out, maybe going to Chicago. Why can't you give them the chance from a morality and a legality standpoint saying, Hey, we are suspending these two immediately. Like we are going to do an investigation and we'll take it from there. And then after the investigation in, say, Hey, we have discovered that, Jack Perry started it and his ass is fired or they're going to say, hey, CM Punk caused more trouble and we're sending his ass home for another year or, or, or something like that. Just that would solve. And I'm not even saying it for the fans perspective, really. I'm saying it from their perspective, because if you do that, if you answer these questions, just answer them, that, that takes away the power that these quote unquote dirt sheets have over you the media has over you you address it and get ahead of everyone else you don't have people leaking stuff to nick houseman or or srs or Meltzer or alvarez or anybody and there it seems like they're starting to feud on top of it alvarez and 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 sap uh you know we're seeing we're causing all this drama which is hey good for them i'm not hating on any of these media guys because all of this drama is good for their business (laughs) at the end of the day they don't really have a any legality issues with that, but it's the wrestlers doing this. And if you were just open and honest, I don't know why he's so obsessed with being secretive about stuff that would help him and AEW. Because if we got that and that was all handled by all out, it would be handled. We know what happened and now we can move on and move forward. And I think that's what the, is the next step needs to be for Tony Khan and the entire team at AEW. That's my opinion. Maybe you're right about the legalities of it for an independent contractor status, but I can't imagine that, uh, that interfering with him announcing, Hey, he will not be on this show because he's suspended. Yeah. And I, for me, there needs to be something on tonight's show that I definitively agree. paints the, the d- direction and trajectory and, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you, but what did no, they? No, you're good. Well, what did they do at All Out last year? Uh, they, I'm pretty sure, Khan's response was just announcing that the, the titles, titles have been stripped and yeah. nothing no else. Comments. Nothing yeah. else. And that, um, was, that was BS. Like that, that totally hurt them. Because again, even, like you have to, you have to factor in as well. Sorry to interrupt, but. No, not no. every, not all viewers know this shit, right? Absolutely. So for the people who just go in and they've watched All Out and then they start Dynamite on Wednesday and says these two people have been stripped of their titles and there's no reason why. It's like that is – if I'm a casual viewer and I'm watching something like that, that's kind yeah. of what kills my interest because I'm like, yeah. what? You know, it just makes absolutely no sense. But yeah, 
Yeah, and if you're a collision viewer, then you're going to be thinking, what the hell's going on with the, t- the real-world title? Is he going to disappear again? How are they going to work that out? Because obviously the, the quote-unquote real-world title is a completely fictional world title that they've put in there. So how are they going to make that work? So many nonsensical questions that I really believe would have been so much better if somebody – there was just better control, uh, control of punk, control of the wrestlers, leaking stuff. I don't know, man. That's just one of those things. And, I, and like you said, I'm glad we saved this till the end instead of starting off with it, because I know a lot of people probably are very interested in hearing about that, obviously. But uh, this is an 80,000 seat show on par with WrestleMania, and that's the main thing coming out of it. It's it's crazy to me how, how we've gotten here, so to speak. But we'll see. And, and the thing is, we can criticize them, but at the end of the day, for a four-year-old company doing this, you can't say they haven't been successful at the end of the day, and they're going to have to you know, live with these consequences, unfortunately. And maybe it'll be because of the network. Warner Brothers, I know, is heavily involved in punk and wants them there. Maybe that's playing a role in something. But that's just – I just gave you my opinion on it. I think it would be so much better if they got in front of the reporters and the media and the Twitter you know, fans and Reddit and all of that. Just answer the questions. Be straight up. And good or bad – we can move on from it. And I think even if it's bad, yes. actually, for somebody like CM Punk, I think it would help him in the grand scheme of things going forward. So, yeah, uh, that's about all we have to say about uh, All In. Uh, wonderful spectacle event, even though I didn't like the main event <laughs> that much. And the craziness going on backstage is this whole other thing. But thank you so much for joining me once again, Nello. Uh, I'm glad we were able to talk about it, do the show, and hopefully everybody out there enjoys it. But as usual, I want to set the stage for you, set the table, whatever you want to say to the people out there, no matter what it is. Say it right right now. Oh, shit. I didn't think about it. Watch um, Tatsuya Nakano versus Masakatsu Funaki from UWF uh, 89. I can't remember yeah. the exact date, but damn, that is that's a great match. <laughs> yeah, if you're a, that's the exact opposite of the stuff, the hardcore <laughs> stuff we talked about this show. But those guys are great wrestlers. If you're a fan of legit technical shoot style wrestling, uh, they were amazing. Both of them were. And Funaki's going to have a match in a couple of days uh, in Noah versus Josh Barnett as well. So yeah. man, I, have, I have a ton of respect for as a person and a wrestler, uh, Josh right. Barnett. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's gonna be really cool. So great shout out, what a wonderful way. That's that's why you are my guy, Nello. Like I can't <laughs> pick somebody else Thank when you say you. stuff like that out uh, there. Uh, but thank you to all the listeners out there. Uh, as we said, we really appreciate all the love we got for the GCW show. Uh, keep listening. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube uh, Wrestle Update Pod uh, on, on YouTube. Um, if I do, if we do anything with Sandre, we'll do a little bonus show YouTube only for that uh, on there. If, if we if we do something, it depends on how he's feeling. Maybe he might be like, ah, oh, screw it, I don't want to talk about this no more uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> but uh, we will also do stuff for Fastlane and All Out as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but we'll definitely cover them in some ways, uh, some form or fashion. And we're looking forward to it. Can't wait to see Nakamura and Seth uh, in the main event. Uh, they built it up really well. So uh, really cool stuff there. And, but like I said, uh, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it personally. For Nella Day Anhelis, I'm Dylan Fox. This has been your Wrestle Update.